0: Welcome to the Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast with your host, two time defending ATV Motocross National Champion, Cody Jensen.
1: Am I on air? What's up, everybody? We're, We're back. back. I'm your host Cody Jansen, and welcome to episode 58 of the Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast, our Unadilla Review Pod, presented by our title sponsor CSD Tires, available for purchase at tires.com. We are coming to you tonight from the great state of Wisconsin, home of the world champion Milwaukee Bucks. Half a century since our last NBA title, so my state is buzzing. We are the champs. And speaking of champions, Chad Weenen put on a way of a performance at Unadilla. He put on an absolute clinic, putting himself in the driver's seat for yet another title. And we'll talk to one of the weenens right off the bat here, but it's not the weenen that you're accustomed to. Really looking forward to that. Casey Greek will join us once again this week, so will Ian Harris from SSI Decals to help break down all the action. Josh Klein from PH3 Photos will drop by later in the show, so stay tuned for him. And Michael Allred will stop by to talk about the best day he's ever had as a professional. I know many of you wanted to hear from him, and he fit us into his schedule, so we're stoked about that. This episode is absolutely loaded, so let's get right into it. Major thanks to our sponsors who are all on board with us tonight, CSTT tires go to shop.csttires.com yamaha thanks to blue crew Valvoline, SSI Decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, 4 Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bikes, Strikes and Quads LLC, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Their clippers rock, their nose hair trimmer is amazing, and they have brand new industry leading products that just hit the market as well. The new Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped is my secret to keeping a perfect beard. This new electric trimmer is so nice. Full disclosure, I've been using it only on my facial hair. Shh. So check out Manscaped. I wish I would have sooner. Get 20% off with free shipping by using code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support all these great companies that support us, and for any products that fall through the cracks, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out. By accessing Rocky Mountain from our specific link, we get a percentage of that, and we both know you need parts and gear. So this is the easiest possible way for you to help us out. Just use our specific link instead of the standard Rocky Mountain link and that's all we're asking you to do no matter what off-road gear parts you need rocky mountain atvmc has you covered so before you buy click that rocky mountain atvmc banner on our website to help us out in a major way we can't thank you enough for that. Also want to take a moment to thank our latest buy me a coffee donor since the last episode that we recorded, Ed Hayden. Thanks so much for your donation. You're the man. And thanks as well to the Stanfield family for their recent support of our efforts. As I said on the last episode, for some of you to donate some of your hard earned money, it means an absolute ton to me. Every dollar that we've quote unquote made here at Digging Deep has been stuck back into it to try and help us grow, improve and expand. We've invested our blood sweat and tears into this thing and for some of you who listen to help us out it truly means so so much to us it really does help so from the bottom of our hearts thank you so much you can find those donation links on our website for anyone else who's interested thanks so much again guys now the 30 second board is up it's sideways and the gate is down time to dig deep let's go all right guys back at it again to break down all the action from unadilla as always here to offer all his insight and opinions brought to you by our friends at rocky mountain atvmc your one-stop shop for parts gear and everything in between to make your ride the best ride click that rocky mountain atvmc banner on our website diggingdeepatvmx.com today to help us out from impact solutions say hello to mr casey greek what's up casey
0: hey gody thanks for having me back um Pretty interesting weekend that we had here at Unadilla. So excited to break this down and kind of look into what we have next with the famous Red Bud.
1: Yeah, excited to talk about it. It was a good weekend. Excited to break it all down here. Also, joining us tonight, brought to you by SSI Decals, making your identity stick with championship level graphics. Check out SSI's new and improved website today at ssidecals.com. It's SSI headman himself, Mr. Ian Harris. What's up, Ian? Welcome back.
2: Hey, Cody. Thanks for having me on tonight. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, we're, we're stoked to have you, Ian. We're stoked to have you. It's been a little while.
2: Definitely. Yeah, I think last time I was on was after the Texas uh, race last year at Three Palms, so mm-hmm. looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. Looking forward to it too. I thought that uh, we had a lot of great conversations that night and uh, looking forward to doing it again. So you two were both at the track this weekend. I was not, um, this was the the last one I planned to miss this season. So I wanted to get a couple experts on back in here to help break down all the action and guys, holy shit. Did Chad Weenan have himself a day? I, I don't put anything past the seven time champ at this point, but I did not anticipate this one. Ian, I'll start with you. What do you, what did you think about that? I mean, if I would have told you at the beginning of the weekend that he went one, one and ran away with it, I, it still would have somehow came as a surprise. So um, what, what do you got to say about that? What do you, what did you think about what he did there?
2: Yeah. I mean, honestly, knowing the conditions of the and the track of Unadilla and just, you know the previous races in years i, mm-hmm. I honestly you know i didn't really give him much of a chance right. and I, you know yeah like, i didn't know how like, else to say it either yeah yeah i mean i'm always you know yeah you know i'm always rooting for him and mm-hmm. i i looked back at the results over the years and i'm just like man it's been a long time since since he's even won there and it was just you know, I'm thinking it's going to be, it's going to be a miracle if it happens. Uh, and then when we got there, I was kind of disappointed. They took out like the roller section or, you know, they had a rhythm section down there in the bottom. It seemed like they tamed all the jumps down a lot. Okay. I mean, I've never rolled the track. So,
1: mm-hmm.
2: yep. um, but I was kind of like, yeah, it just looks like a fast freeway, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. yep. with uh, the predictions and, and the weather situation where they're, calling for rain and this and that, you're just like, it's anybody's game really. And, and yeah, I mean, I didn't even, I didn't know what to think, you know, Mm -hmm. at first.
1: Yeah, it made for um, a hell of a weekend of racing. We saw some really good racing. Casey, uh, touching on that first point before we dive into everything else, I just wanted to get a quick reaction. Um, Casey, five times Joel Hetrick had went 1-1 at Unadilla. That's kind of what we were referencing there, obviously, with not giving Chad a ton of a, a huge chance there. But it looked like like as if like no one or no thing was going to stop Chad Wienan on this day. Um, so I know you're, you're more uh, probably in Joel's camp just with – that you work closely with that program. Um, But man, Chad was on it that day.
0: Yeah. I mean, like in my notes, I have written down here, not surprised. Chad always steps up when at the right time. And that's exactly what he did this weekend. Um, Impressed to see Chad ride the way he did in the mud. Um, We all go way back in this industry and we've watched Chad falter in the mud before we've watched joel falter in the mud and both of them have become much better riders in the mud um so yeah i mean i i'm not surprised there's something about chad that when the odds are stacked against him a lot of times he rises up so you know hats off to him he wrote his butt off this weekend and uh, it showed on paper and on the
1: track. Yeah, honestly, it was that second motor that was so impressive. And, and I was trying to present a bunch of facts, you know, I, I like, uh, I like the history side of things. I like to see some of the stats and, and finishes and stuff that we've seen over the years. And I was, you know, typing out the, the posts I was putting out there about how prolifically successful Joel had been at that track over the years. And I was thinking to myself, like, I could picture Chad somewhere, like in a gym or on his quad with Steam coming out of his ears like i know you know stuff like that probably motivates him but man it was just so impressive so looking forward to getting into more of the racing momentarily but first a segment you're really going to enjoy and now we're going to toss it to a very special guest right away brought to you by valvoline the original motor oil check out their full line of products at valvoline.com today i'm proud to introduce wife of Seven time in defending AMA ATV Pro Class National Champion, fresh off their most recent victory and regaining the series points lead at Unadilla. Say hello to Mrs. Danica Weenan. Danica, welcome to Digging Deep. We're so excited to have you.
3: Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to be here.
1: So I've had this idea of bringing on some of the, the other halves of our favorite racers for a while now and inviting you on, uh, at this time just felt like the perfect opportunity because we had just talked to Chad on an episode or two ago. And I, I, I hate to bark up his tree too often, I mm-hmm. guess, but mm-hmm. at the, at the same time, we had to hear from someone in the wean camp because, um, it was an absolutely dominant and pivotal victory in New York. So, um, thanks so much for joining us and, and really looking forward to this, this is going to be so much fun
3: yeah thanks so
1: so first of all massive win at unadilla for chad and your crew it was literally the perfect day for him fast qualifier a moto one win in the mud a moto two hole shot and win in dry conditions he led all the laps he regained the points lead so i have to imagine it was it was like a dream ride for your entire crew so to do that at unadilla it also has to be I mean, at, little, at least a little bit of a, of a extra special one, I would think, just because Joel has been uh, pretty dominant in New York over the years.
3: Yeah, um, I think it's not a secret that Unadilla and tracks like that are definitely favored towards Joel's riding style. So anytime we can come away with a, a win, let alone a 1-1 finish, is definitely um, exciting uh, for our our camp because you know he works so hard you know Mm -hmm. um in between each race and especially on these that are don't favor him so much so to be able to come away with a one fun finish is definitely like that much sweeter Mm -hmm. um you know and it's always good that day uh definitely like soak in and enjoy that um but with Chad and his personality it's always you know, soak it in. And then the next day it's like business as usual. Okay. When's the next gate drop and what do we have to do? So,
1: right. Yeah. He's, he said that to us so often too, that, um, you know, it's kind of, you know, monitoring like that success, right? Like Mm -hmm. never get too high, never get too low. That's when he, that's why it was so cool when he told us how he kind of rode that high for a day or two after sunset Ridge. Um, -hmm. you know, that, that, that stuck with me kind of, because, you know, he's won so many of these things at this point that it's like to, you know, after, after 50 some victories or whatever to, um, to ride that high for a little while is fun to hear. And I found myself thinking that same thing. Like, you know, I mean, Chad even told us that Unadilla isn't at the top of his list of probably favorite tracks to go to just because some of the, the conditions there would ever have favored themselves to Joel over the years. But I would think that, you know, that, that, that natural high you get from, from doing that, maybe, um, you know, kind of something unexpected to some people, I almost feel like that's maybe a natural high that Chad maybe doesn't always get. Cause it's like, what has he not done? Right. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, to overcome, you know, the odds in a situation like that, maybe where people, he, maybe he felt like people were counting him out or whatever. Um, I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like that's when you get the highest of highs, I guess.
3: Yeah. And especially, um, on tracks like that, because, you know, even after all of, um, Chad's successes in his racing careers, there are a lot of times where he goes into a race and it almost is like, he's counted as an underdog, Mm -hmm. which Is a little more fun, I think, for us and something that we kind of thrive on because who doesn't love an underdog, you know, Um, so it gives that little bit of motivation and a little extra, you know, Mm
1: -hmm. well, of course, so it's a totally different feeling when you when you win or when you achieve something, when you're expected to do it. So Chad wins at sunset Ridge and it's like, well, he's just, he's holding home serve, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the feeling you go do it on a track that maybe hasn't always been a necessary strength of, of his or whatever. Um, again, I just feel like it's another tier of, of kind of achieving that natural high. So, um, that uh, amazing day, amazing day. I mean, to win uh, first moto in the mud, Uh, he controlled that thing throughout. And then man, he put on the burners in the second moto. And, uh, it was, it was, again, it was so cool to see. And I'm sure you were feeling the same way as you sat and watched that all go down. Now I have to ask, so you always seem so calm, cool and collected while these races are taking place. Um, that that's always like stood out to me. So uh, are you as calm on the inside as you appear on the outside or are you holding some nerves in there?
3: And I think with every gate, gate drop, you always have nerves. Cause you, you know, you know, the risk and I think I speak for all moms and spouses out there, you know, I've been, I gosh, I think it's my 13th season with Chad and it's still you, you always have it just, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the reality of the consequences of the sport every time they get on the machine. So mm-hmm. it's one of those and the gate drop, I don't know why, cause everyone going into the same place at the same time. And it's the most intense part of the race. Yep. Um, Yeah, I would say after that, I, you know, over time, I feel like I've gained a little, a lot of confidence in Chad as a rider and, you know, his experience. So maybe after that, I am a little chilled out Mm because I, I trust that he's not going to put himself into a situation that makes him, you know, um, not comfortable or in anything that's dangerous that he shouldn't be doing. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah think you think you're in good hands there with Chad. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's so in control. I feel like he's so in control of, of everything that's going on around him. Um, so yeah, after the start, I think it's smooth sailing most of the time, but, uh, so like you kind of touched on there. So this is, this is, this was amazingly Chad's 120th podium appearance. Mm-hmm uh, 59th career AMA be pro class win. Absolutely staggering numbers. So you just said, I mean, you've been by Chad's side for nearly all of these, right? So, uh, I was curious to ask when, um, when or how, I guess you and Chad met each other.
3: Um, well, we have a lot of mutual friends because we're from the same area back home and grew up with a lot of the same guys. Like as me, they were older brothers and they were friends to Chad. Um, but we didn't meet until later, and um, our friend Timmy, at one point after I graduated high school, was like, "Hey, you should meet Danica. Like, I think you two would hit it off." And I went to school and whatnot. But um, at the end of 2007, we had like our first date, and we kind of formed this friendship. Okay. And finally, in 2008, he's like, "Hey, you're gonna come to one of my races, and if you know me, you know that." you know, this sport in this world is not really something that's me. So I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And, um, before sunset in 2008, he actually drove up to school on my school. I went to Marquette in Milwaukee Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and picked me up on Friday and brought me down to the race in 2008. I will not forget it was a rain race. They only had one moto and it was, it was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> I, rem- um,
1: I remember that race. Yeah. Nothing yeah. like, nothing like not really getting the actual experience the first yeah. time you were there.
3: No, I had, I was like, Oh well, yeah, sure. This is cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mud bog. And was,
3: yeah. And he was hurt. Um, the first part, like that part in 2008. So I really had like no understanding. I was new to the sport. I had no concept of, you know, his talents, I guess. And right. you know, everyone's yeah. like, Oh, he's so good. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Everyone thinks their kids like the captain of the football team. <laughs> right? So we'll see. But um, yeah, I don't know. And we've been together ever, ever since I haven't missed a race and yeah, it's crazy. That's been 13 years right. ago.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. But it also, um, why I wanted to ask that question is I feel like it's crazy how, how, you know, life works or the universe works at times, because, um, now you, you touched on the Marquette thing and I know like you have like a business PR like background, right. And I'm quite sure I was going to say, I was quite sure that you went to Marquette. I don't even know how I knew that info. Um, yeah, obviously, like you said, a phenomenal school right here in Wisconsin. And I feel like it was like the perfect combination of you and Chad though, because when he ventured out on his own and started winning Motorsports, his own team in 2012 I have to imagine like you being by his side with your background um that had to be like invaluable to him as he's starting that new endeavor
3: yeah I like you said it just it kind of worked out so perfectly and um Mm -hmm. like my role in it all kind of went like started organically um Mm -hmm. in 2012 we kind of just had to put our put our heads together and we're like, how are we going to make this work? What do we have to do? Cause before that he had been on the factory teams and, you know, he really, he just had to ride. Um, so I was like, well, I can, you know, I can do this and I can do that. And it just kind of snowballed into that, into what it is today. Mm-hmm. And it's worked out well, cause it allows him to still be able to focus on riding and keeping himself in check and, you know, he does all of his shop work and all of his builds mm-hmm. and all of that. So yep. being able to take control of the one side and have him focus on that, I think is really helped us in the success that he's been able to have.
1: Oh, I'm sure. So tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, is that something that you, that you still do to this day? I mean, nearly a decade later, I know you guys have two little ones now, so I'm sure mm-hmm. things are crazier than ever. I'm sure. But, um, are you still doing like some of the PR work stuff? Are you, are you doing the wean and Motorsport stuff? Tell me a little bit more about that.
3: Yeah. Um, you know, I still do all the website stuff, all the backend stuff, you know, that, okay dad's like I don't that's not my thing I'm like yes it's mine
1: <laughs> the dirty word
3: yeah, yeah. the dirty word if you will. um and it's kind of nice for me because I enjoy doing that and it's definitely changed and you know we have to both you know tackle a lot of things together now having kids you know we thought we didn't have time before and now we have two kids and we definitely have no time and I have no idea why I thought I didn't before mm-hmm. um but yeah and I do all the proposals and things like that. So that was, you know, right up my alley. And I'm like, you know, I'm not necessarily, um, using my degree, but my degree has helped what we have today. So.
1: And that's kind of why I asked that question because it was like the perfect combination. Like you were, you were what he was missing. And it's really hard, at least from afar to imagine like what Ween and Motorsports ever would have been without you. I mean, I, I, you would know, you know, and we could ask Chad, but it probably would have never happened, you know?
3: Yeah. Um, And actually like in 2012, you know, the boys were working so hard down in Florida and they were in the shop wicked late and up early in the morning. And I was like, all right, I got to do something. What am I going to do? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a website for Chad. And so like, I went in on the computer and like that whole week, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, just things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and once that got rolling, he's like, Hey, do you think that we could like do some product and things like that? I'm like, I can figure that out. Yeah.
1: Right. yeah.
3: <laughs> that. So yeah, it's kind of crazy looking back on how that even started, but kind of cool to where it is now.
1: Obviously, I mean Wien and Motorsports became a really big endeavor. Obviously. Yeah. And, and and again, it's like it's like things just happen, it all it all like funnels into this path. And it's crazy how you find yourself there. But it was it was um the perfect combination that created it. So I want to ask you then what it's like to be married to arguably the greatest athlete and competitor the sport has ever seen. I mean, I'm sure um that it has its hurdles, you know, uh you know, being married to a professional athlete like like that, but he sure does seem to manage being a professional athlete and being an awesome dad, like a dream. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have to believe it's, it's so enjoyable though for you, um, and, and it's, it's hard, like listening to you talk. It's so cool because it's like, where does Chad end and in, in Danica begin, right? Like it's just this, this cool, um, you know, two legs that your family stands on, but I have to believe it's enjoyable for you to stand by and watch your partner live out his dreams to the nth degree. I have to think that that's, that whole thing is amazing for you.
3: Yeah, it's really crazy. Um, you know, I, I married a very humble man, so in our household, he's still, still Chad and mm-hmm. Papa, you know, he still changes the diapers and <laughs> right. all of that. Um, but yeah, he's always been, no matter like how big or small, if he's into something, he's into it and he is all the way. So it's definitely, uh, you know, attributed to his success. Um, but yeah, he still makes the time to, you know, this morning we went on a bike ride, the four of us and he was just out taken like in for a ripper on the track. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Um, and you know, he, his, um, career has definitely shaped like our lifestyle and our choices, like as a family. Um, but I think for the better, you know, like mm-hmm. when he got hurt back in 2011, we really like, we took a look at life and we're like, okay, this happened we have to get you better. Like, what do we have to do to make sure that we're always at the, at the top of our shape or whatever, like in the healthiest condition. So that if something were to happen again, recovery time, or, you Mm -hmm. know, the severity of an injury wouldn't be so bad. So it's kind of awesome because yes, the livelihood and of him being a professional athlete has like changed our life in that way. But also, I don't know if you know, our, our choices in our household would be the same if he wasn't, um, this kind of athlete. So
1: I'm sure. Yeah. Like, how do you imagine your life without you guys doing what you do? Like it's, it's, it's your being kind of, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that's, it, it is cool to hear. I think the coolest part, at least from afar, it looks like, um, you know, it looks like, like I said, from afar, like, like you love it as much as, as Chad does, if that makes sense, like you share his passion, even though that wasn't your background, Mm -hmm. um, it's become like just what you guys do. And I think that that's what so many people dream of, right? Like that's what everyone is after. That's what everyone is searching for. And I feel like your family has been such a great representation of, of what this sport is all about over the years. I mean, ATV racing is one big family and you guys seem to embody that perfectly. Yeah.
3: I mean, it's really. I mean, it's pretty indescribable being able to see a person you love being able to do something that they love for a living. Like the amount of people I'm sure in this world that are able to say that are, you know, slim to none, which is really sad. Um, and I, I don't love racing and I don't love dirt and all of that, but I love seeing how much he loves it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why like seeing how much he loves it has made me be so supportive in it. Cause when you see someone that you love, love something so much, you develop a love for it as well.
1: Mm -hmm. And, and ATV racing as a whole is better because of Chad, because of who Chad is because of everything that he represents, because he does everything the right way. Like ATV racing, when Chad decides to hang it up, is Mm -hmm. in a better spot because of him to see him make an impact on little ones, to see just all the good that he creates. Um, The trickle down effect is huge, right? Like it's, it's so much more than, you know, your family or one little kid that comes up for an autograph or whatever, like everybody watches what Chad does. He does things the right way. And uh, I just, uh, again, I give him so much credit. Um, I want to ask about about your little guy then, because Chad mm-hmm. ha- has told us uh, how much he enjoys sharing these moments with Laken. Um, do you do you think your little guy will will take an interest in the riding and racing at some point? Maybe he has already. Has has Dad had an influence on him with
3: that? Oh well, if <laughs> he's spotted <laughs> him. At the track, he's typically ripping around on his little bike, or he's got his little trucks and he's building a track. Mm-hmm. So I think all of us mamas want our kids to be doing something that keeps them safe as possible at all times, um, but also something they love to do. Um, our parenting approach isn't, um, is more along the lines of like hoping uh, he finds something he loves equally as much as Chad does. Um, but not pushing it on him, um, Mm -hmm. and kind of being hands off, you know, Chad didn't come up through racing from his dad doing it. You know, he -hmm. started when he was 16. So being able to let him decide and kind of navigate and then just choosing to support him in whatever he decides to do. Um, I mean, I'm hoping that it's more like chess (laughs) or golf or something (laughs) like that. You know, I can get behind that, um, But yeah, I mean, he's an adrenaline junkie and he races through the house all day, so I'm sure it will be something a little more adrenaline than I want it to be, but Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see what he does, what path he decides to take.
1: Yeah, that's obviously um, has to be the right way to do it, right? Let him kind of, Mm
3: -hmm. kind of
1: choose his path. He's big in the tractors, right? I feel like I picked up on that. So maybe he wants to be a farmer.
3: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, my dad has an excavation business. And so he's always been around heavy machinery. So that's
1: super
3: big. But I
1: mean, what little boy doesn't love that? I guess. <laughs> right, right, right. I think you're <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait to see what kind of path he creates. But obviously, with uh, with you two, I mean, he's he's going to have a good work ethic, going to know how, going to see how to do things the right way. So I'm sure whatever he chooses to do, he's going to be successful. Um, last question for you, Danica. This this has been amazing, by the way. I can't thank you enough. Uh, so you see, Chad. Every single day you see the way he grinds. I think it's easy to see that he's currently at probably the best he's ever been like Tom Brady. He's, he's beating father time at this point. So um, how long do you think we can expect to see Chad continue to line up like this? Because he doesn't look like a guy that plans on slowing down anytime soon. (laughs)
3: Yeah. I don't know. I get this. I get asked this all the time and I'm always like, you know, I'm not sure.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: since the beginning of our relationship, he's always said, um, you know, until the point where I don't feel safe or I'm not having fun anymore. At that point, I'll know it's time to hang up my boots, but um, he's not there yet.
4: Mm-hmm. So
3: we'll see. And yeah, he's definitely, um, I think in one of the best shapes he's ever been in you know, through the past however many years we've been together. So Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, but, uh, we are getting older. (laughs) So, (laughs) but he always says age is not a number. It's how you feel.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he, he sure, he sure looks like he feels good. I didn't assume you were going to come on here and break any news, but, (laughs) uh, figured you could give us a little insight there. And I think that that's the right answer. I mean, as long as he's having fun, as long as he feels safe, as long as he's thriving, look at him right now. He, he just, uh, he just slayed it this past weekend. So, um, we're gonna, we're gonna appreciate him as long as he's here. Danica, this has been amazing. I I think it's safe to say that this surpassed my expectations. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. I think our listeners are going to love this.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having me
1: on. Yeah. Thanks so much. This has been so much fun. Congrats again on a stellar weekend and uh, good luck to the squad at Redbud. We know Chad's looking forward to that one.
3: Yeah, definitely. And we'll have a, it's awesome. That one's so close. You know, we have so many Mm -hmm. friends and family that come up, so we always enjoy, enjoy that one. And it's always a, always a whirlwind. So Mm -hmm.
1: yeah, that's a, that's a favorite one for us too. Danica, thanks (laughs) so much. We appreciate it so much. Thanks Cody. That's wife of Unadilla event winner, Chad Wienan, and the glue that keeps the entire program together. It sounds like Mrs. Danica Wienan brought to you by Valvoline. Visit valvoline.com for over 150 years of experience and expertise to improve your ride. Congrats, Danica. We'll see you guys in a couple of weeks.
3: See you soon.
1: We'll get right back to the show, but now a word from our sponsors. And thank you for listening to these ads. Without these great companies, none of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. Welcome to the team, two-time champ Joel Hetrick, who dropped the biggest news of the offseason when he announced his move to CST Tires. The CST Takeover has been gaining momentum over the past several seasons, and now Joel Hetrick and his Phoenix Racing teammate Jeffrey Rostrelli are the most recent additions. The Pulse MXR Tire has helped lead riders like Thomas Brown to race wins and three consecutive Quad Cross of Nations titles. Nick Janusa to the Pro Class podium, myself Cody Jansen as I rode my Pulse MXR Fronts and White Label Soft Compound Rears to -to back-to-back national championships in the Junior 25 Plus Class, and the most recent additions have us thinking a Pro Class National Championship is on the horizon for CST tires. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Visit shop.csttires.com to join the CST Takeover today, or prepare to be beat by someone who did. Joel Hetrick, Jeffrey Ristrelli, Nick Janusa, myself, and so many others are believers in CST Tires. Are you? CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. You already know we're Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast. Whether it's second all-time winningest, seven-time and reigning ATV-MX Pro Class National Champion Chad Wienan or six-time and current XC1 Pro ATV-GNCC National Champion Walker Fowler, it's clear the podium-proven Yamaha YFC 450R is the winning choice of sport ATVs. This unprecedented success for the YFC 450R, its unrivaled quality and performance, and the undeniable fact that Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing has created a Yamaha takeover within the sport quad market. Better yet, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program is back and even stronger for 2021, meaning Yamaha riders are about to cash in on higher payouts and more prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ450R. For more info, head over to YamahaBlueCrew.com, follow them on social media at Yamaha Outdoors, and check out Yamaha's full proven off-road lineup at YamahaOutdoors.com today. For over 150 years, Valvoline has led the charge by being dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports and for the better part of a decade, I've been fortunate enough to be part of the historically great Team Valvoline. From my commuting vehicles to small engines, race quads and everything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline in all of my equipment. I've experienced increased function and durability as well as a longer life expectancy thanks to Valvoline's array of products and lubricants. Since 1866, Valvoline has been focused on bettering your experience, whether on road, on track, and everywhere in between. Upgrade to Valvoline today and check them out at valvoline.com. SSI Decals is a name synonymous with ATV Racing, synonymous with big time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the company quickly took off, and today you couldn't imagine ATV Motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV Motocross, as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short course off-road trucks, UTVs, snowcross, and oh yeah, six-time NHRA World Champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship-level graphics. Head over to SSIDecals.com today, and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast is brought to you in part by DID in their range of championship-winning chains. Powered by technology, DID chains are designed to give you the greatest strength to weight ratio, making them the optimal chain for racing and giving you a championship level edge. DID has been driving championship winning race programs since 1933, chosen by champions such as Chad Wienin, Joel Hetrick, and myself, Cody Jansen. Champion above the rest is DID's 520 ATV2 chain, with those same design principles and materials being used throughout their entire line of products, including their on-road category as well. Pick up a DID chain today at your local dealer or reputable online e-tailer. DID, what drives you?
5: We are proud to be partnered with Numira Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Numira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates that allows for tighter tolerances and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Numira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, visit your local dealer or online at www.numira.com. Numira Technologies, Pistons with an Attitude. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV Components. Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years, with a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits. Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world. Visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. ForWorks Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top notch seat covers, carbon fiber, and plastic hoods, gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shot guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, ForWorks has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust ForWorks for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. ForWorks Carbon, always working hard to bring high quality and innovative parts to the market. Check them out today at fwcarbon.com.
1: Let's talk about this week's impact solutions, impact moment, where we highlight something good and positive happening in ATV motocross. And I'll start this week. So a couple of weeks back, I was at a practice track here in Wisconsin, legendary Pine Ridge Raceway for anybody here in the Midwest. And I saw a little boy. He was probably about eight. I would say maybe he was as old as 10. And uh, when I first noticed him, he was running around the pits and in, in street clothes with the addition of a moto helmet on. And I didn't really think twice about it till I saw him again. It was probably 45 minutes later, and now he was sitting on the bleachers, still in his casual wear, but with that motocross helmet, still on another half hour passed. cross the track. Now I see him on another set of bleachers. There he is. He's still got that helmet on now. I don't know if this little boy, if his dirt bike was broken down, if he didn't have one, I kind of assumed that it was the ladder there, but this little boy was just tickled pink to be at the motocross track and to act like one of the guys with his little helmet on. And it just stuck with me like. Uh, how much of a privilege it is for people like us who have the means and have the ability to go out and enjoy this sport. The way we do, I just, I thought it was so pure. So I I challenge all the listeners out there who are listening right now. I challenge the three of us as well to take a moment to appreciate these things, appreciate the ability and the, the blessings that we have to go enjoy these things. Like this little boy who just wanted to wear his helmet and be around the bikes at the, at the practice track, just pretty freaking cool. It stuck with me. Um, this has almost been two weeks now. And I knew that this is what I wanted to touch on when we recorded this segment. And I think, um, if we could, you know, kind of all just put ourselves in that mindset, even if it's just for a moment, I bet that we would all become a little more appreciative, a little more present, probably enjoy things a little better. So, um, guys, you got anything, got anything that stands out to you there? Otherwise we'll hop into Casey's impact solutions, impact moment.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's just what it's all about. It's exactly what you said. And if we don't start them at that age and get them to where they believe it's a sickness, like we all do, they're not going to be around when they get to our ages and stuff you know and kind of all three of us are sort of a different age bracket but at the same time we're all well into adulthood and and growing and for us to still be around and do this it's it's amazing so those are the ones that we need to do and you know my kid I want to put him in a helmet just to walk around half the time but it's insane.
1: Right. And, and I think it was just the pure joy that stuck with me. I mean, that, that childlike joy is what brings us all back to, to, you know, riding and racing light, right. Like, um, there's probably very few things in life that gives us that pure joy other than our families. And obviously for you guys, your kids and stuff like that. But when you're talking about activities, there's probably very few activities that we get that pure joy from than. um, you know, then riding and racing, like we like to do. So it was very childlike and that's what stuck out to me, Casey, uh, your impact solutions, impact moment. I know you got one hit us with it.
0: Yeah, for me, it's, um, just new faces at the races this weekend and talking to some of these people and the excitement that they got from being at the nationals and a lot of that crowd is the new England ATB series crowd. Um, and I've been working with a lot of people up there over the years. And so it was cool to see them, but then to actually hear them talking about, well, we're coming to Redbud, we're coming to Loretta's, we're coming to Briarcliff. Like now they're talking, they're going to run, you know, four races instead of just, oh, we were going to come to Unadilla. Um, So for me, you know, and then the District 6 crowd was there too, which a lot of them kind of share series. They go back and forth, they race both series. They try to schedule, you know, not schedule on top of each other. You know, so just that, I mean, and of course, like, that's my motivation behind this segment of the show is the growth in the sport and an atmosphere that we gain from being there at the races. So, and even like I hung out with a bunch of people that don't ever really get to hang out with this, this past weekend. And it's just enjoyment, enjoyment of seeing the excitement. And sometimes, you know, we've all been doing this for a very long time. I think I'm going on 20 something years in the industry and, there's days where I'm just like, man, like, why, you know, what, you know, and then you wake up the next morning you get back on it and you do your thing. And, and, you know, it takes one phone call or one text message from someone that's positive and or or one weekend where you go and see some new faces and someone that may know you may have heard us on this show. And it's like, I got another five years in me just off that one conversation. Like I'm just motivated again. Mm -hmm. And then, and again, a friend of mine, friend of the race community had some issues with their rig on the way up. Someone literally hooked a toe strap up to them, drug them all the way up that hill, up route eight and pulled them in the track. And then about 30 people gathered around and pushed their motor home into their parking spot. And like, that's just, I don't, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse with the help thing, but it can never be like talked about enough. Like that's what this community does and I just see it over and over again, much smaller things, much larger things. You know, there's quiet people that don't even ever get the recognition that they give for people. So I just, I just dig that side of it. And that's what I'm after with this whole part of the show.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's one big family. That's why all three of us are always coming back to this thing and, um, touching on, you know, some of that stuff, uh, you guys, you two specifically Ian at SSI Casey with impact solutions and all the stuff you guys do, uh, both of you keep dreams alive for people with all the support and all the, all the support for the sport that you two put in in general, you two entities put in in general. So, um, that's what it's all about. Like you said, Casey, you put it well there. Um, So that's it for this week's impact solutions impact moment. Great stuff there. Let's dive into the racing. Then The, the series went back to historic Unadilla for the first time since 2019, as the pandemic kept us from going to New York last season. I absolutely love Unadilla, but the threat of inclement weather hung over this one pretty much throughout the weekend, as we'll see. So they actually abbreviated the schedule for the pros. There, there would only be one timed qualifier in an attempt to get as much amateur racing in as possible before the rain came. Casey, how was, the, how was that decision received in the pits? Were riders and teams on board with that?
0: I think so for the most part. I mean, I, I sort of struggled with it. I'm a setup guy. So yeah. we yeah. want as much time before the money-making time comes down to it you know but at the same time like I seen it and I looked at the radar and I actually talked to some of the owners of the facility and you know looked at the radar with them and when you when you lived in an area or a spot your entire life and you've worked out there in those fields let's call it but on that motocross track yep. for 30 40 years you pretty much can pinpoint exactly when it's going to rain and that's exactly what they did I mean he he literally he's like 12 30 it's gonna rain i'm like okay well the hourly he's like who cares about the hourly? look at the radar look at the clouds this is the time it's gonna get here i'm like okay so like instantly i was already like geared forward okay let's go get big tires that's mud prep let's get everything ready we're gonna need it the track's very you know it's a it's a harder soil there so it wasn't really about trying to get you know, mud tires because the ruts and the heavy mud, it was just to keep the bikes up and out of the, out of the moisture as much as you can. Obviously you're always going to be trapped into that, but slowing yeah. wheel speeds down and making the bikes a little bit more controllable was what we were after. We didn't get the time, but as far as the schedule, it ended up working out. It was fine. Um, it was kind of funny to see everyone be in the principal's office after like the first two laps of qualifying <laughs> yeah. hard stop practice and pulled everyone in. And so yeah being one time that I didn't, you know, I didn't have a writer when that happened. It hasn't happened in years where I've watched this case, but I've seen it before and I've been involved in it. Mm-hmm. It was kind of fun because it's going up there and talking crap, but like you guys are <laughs> in the principal's office, like have fun with it. But, um, you know, these guys are professionals. What they did wasn't wrong. Was it misunderstood when it was delivered? Yes. And, but at the same time, like I agree, like these guys, if – If the first lap could be a caution lap every single practice, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I would be so happy. Like, to me, like, you don't jump jumps first lap and you haven't been there in two years. Mm -hmm. I I know you guys are professionals and like, trust me, I have so much respect, but Mm -hmm. let's just go cruise the first lap and then we can go.
1: It and should go
0: it, show us what you got.
1: It should be a mandatory thing. I would love to see that. I th- I know that that's been something that uh, Supercross has started to dabble with a little bit. And I think that makes so much sense. Let the guys slowly look at the track, force them to do it. But then in the in the same respect, uh, the other side of the argument is we only get 15 minutes to go put a lap in, so we want to you know get warmed up right away and get that heater. You know what I mean? I mean that's the other side of the argument. But I agree 100. percent. So uh, that was really interesting to see there. So Chad Wienan took the the pole position. Position then In that one morning qualifying session, Joel Hattrick was P2. Brandon Hogue was P3. Bryce Ford came in with the, the fourth fastest time. And Nick Janusa, who was uh, featured on the event tee there, he was um, fifth fastest. Ian, uh, what were your main takeaways from qualifying? The track was uh, still in perfect condition at this point. And Chad grabbed the the top spot um, in qualifying there. That was impressive just because Joel has been so dominant there over the years, but uh, like we touched on already, but what did you take away from qualifying Ian?
2: Yeah, I think um, I was a bit surprised that Chad got the, the fast qualifier. I, I was watching the live timing and, mm-hmm. and knew that it was a, a Joel style track for sure. And, and like you guys say, they, they only had a, you know, a very short amount of time. And especially after they were pulled in for, for their little, uh, the little episode about the lights and, and going to the principal's office, it was, you know, I think everyone was kind of looking at their watches, like, I wonder if they're going to just pick, pick up the time, bat, you know, like right where they're at and, and right. let continue on or what they're going to do. And it mm-hmm. kept turning laps and turning laps. And, You know, I'd see Joel put in a heater and Chad would come around and, you know, then some of them other guys, even Bryce and and Brandon Hogue, they were, and and Janusa, they were all just, I was watching them, they were laying down heaters lap after lap. And even at the end, I was like, I had to do a double take almost like, did Chad really, like, did he really get the the top qualifier? In fact, I don't even know if he's gotten one this year at all. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I didn't look back, but it was um it, from there on i was like well i mean i he's got what what it's going to take this weekend and mm-hmm. if it's going to happen you know
1: Right. And the other thing that kind of stood out to me, I just wondered what those guys were thinking. Cause they're used to then hopping on the track, you know, an hour and a half later or an hour later. So to go from, uh, you know, 10 30 in the morning and then not be back on the track until one 30 in the afternoon, even if the conditions wouldn't have changed in between there, like that's a long time to be off the racetrack solely because yeah. those guys aren't used to that. Um, so conditions were meant there. But that changed, like we were just talking about, about a, a half hour or whatever it was before Moto One when the skies opened up and the rain began to pour down. So um, either whoever wants to jump in here, what, set the scene kind of for me there. Paint that picture for me. How bad was the track? How much mud were we dealing with? Was there standing water? I know, obviously, hard packed track. There is elevation. It can run down in some spots. But kind of paint that picture for me so the, the listeners know how muddy it, in fact, was for Moto One.
2: It was, the start was probably the worst from what I've seen where I was at, um, you know, since it is such a hard packed surface. Yeah. Some of the, the lower line areas and a couple of the corners I seen had some water, even during the moto still not running through like a, a, a Creek or a river, but a nice, I mean, it, they were definitely still wet after right. so they had it, had it run in quite a bit, um, but it, because it was so hard packed, it took the, and it rained hard. It was coming down hard. Like sure. you, you look out and it was just straight downpouring and it took it as probably as well as any hard packed track could take it.
1: Well, right. I mean, Casey, any hard packed track, I mean, you kind of want it to come down and droves like fast and hard like that. So hopefully it just runs off.
0: Yeah, and that's pretty – I mean, not pretty much what it did. It's sort of what it did, and it's just like you said. The start was the worst, and then, again, for me, it's looking at the track and looking at the amount of moisture that we're getting with the time frame that we're going to have and knowing, like, this track is going to come back around Mm -hmm. very quickly. I mean, I can remember racing there years ago. I think it was, like, 2008 or something, and it rained so hard. We're all up there in the parking lot. It's gravel. And we're all, you know, semis and motorhomes and trailers, and when someone would ride down the main road on their four-wheeler, you know, it would wake like you're (laughs) out in the water at the lake, and the waves would roll over, and it would splash into the trailer door as we are all standing inside the trailer looking out like, we might as well pack this thing up, but we can't even get outside because there's literally fans running with electrical cords underwater, so we're scared to even move. Right, And then it you know, an hour and a half later or so, we're back out racing. Mm -hmm. And so kind of knowing, because I've been there so many times, knowing what it was going to be, I'm like, the track's hard enough right now. It's going to hold up. It is going to single track some. And then about the last three, four laps, excuse me, Mm -hmm. it's going to come back around. Mm -hmm. And so that was where the hard call was for me. And I ain't going to lie. I pretty much went and told every one of my guys, like, you're running big tires. You don't have a choice. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And when I got into the tower about, you know, they were in staging what would have been just right before parade lap time. I'm looking down at the track and I'm going, Oh boy, did I make the wrong call? Like, you know, and these guys trust me. And when I say, Hey, do this for the most part, I don't get much flack back. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, it's the one thing. And it's just like um, Ian said, the start was the worst. So you had to have them as soon as one guy did it everyone had to do it Mm -hmm. and I had already had my mind made up and then I looked over and I seen Chad putting big tires on I'm like yeah there's no choice now Mm -hmm. we have to do it and the small tires like Max Lindquist and uh, Michael Perkins ran small tires and they came alive the last couple laps Mm -hmm. but I've tried that game with Joel years ago at sunset where it had rained on us and it didn't work he ended up getting I think third that moto and so I'm like it is what it is. So
1: You know yeah, I was I mean- all- I was a little surprised Casey, when you said, uh, over the, I think you guys said over the, you know, the PA or over the quad radio broadcast that pretty much everyone was running big tires. And I was surprised at that time, just thinking of the, the conditions or whatever, you know, when it's hard packed like that, I'm like, I mean, I, I figured that people could get away with running small tires. The problem is though, is that you need to get the start. So if you get the start, if you, you want to get a good start, and then if you're a tick slower, um, because you have bigger tires on for the rest of the race or even later in the race. But if you are, if you're cleaner, if you're up, up towards the front, cause you got a better hole shot, all those things, like that's the, that's the way to do it. I mean, um, I think all of us have been on one side of that argument or the other, or that experiment at one time or another, but you have to, you have to use the big tires. I feel like to get out front and, and you know, kind of, um, put the odds in your favor, I feel like. So we know that muddy conditions are the ultimate wild card and can prompt all kinds of craziness. Um, So I think all of us, that was probably in the back of our mind as the gate got set to drop in Moto one there. And maybe the first crazy moment we saw was rookie Michael Allred grabbing the Moto one hole shot and jumping out to the early lead. Ian, you're a racer as well. Um, is there a better feeling than ripping a hole shot in the mud? I'll help. I'll help you (laughs) Yeah. The answer is no, we want to Yeah, Yeah you want to get out there in clean air and cover everybody behind you with as much mud as possible. Michael's been, you know, he's been right at some of these uh, the, the front of some of these hole shots this year, but to finally do it um, in the mud, he picked the the most opportune time to do it the best time to do it. That's for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think what really had me shook, I was up there at the line, wa- watching them scrape their gates, mm-hmm. you know, gobs of mud from behind scraping them out and I looked over Brandon Hogue was on the the far inside and there was a nice patch of grass there and myself in his shoes I'm like I'd be heading right for that grass if that was me to get get a shot down the inside knowing how muddy it was in front Mm -hmm. and pretty soon all of a sudden I see Harv coming out in front of the in front of the gates and he's telling everybody to start him up and I'm kind of looking around like wait a minute nobody's like are they not doing a site lap here so they must have had a discussion down there and all decided they weren't going to do a site lap everyone must have voted whatever the case was mm-hmm. he's telling them to fire him up that and the card girl was on the track and I was like whoa what is going <laughs> on like, i can I can't remember the last time they didn't do a site lap even I've seen them do them in muddy conditions. Maybe not everybody, but I've definitely seen at least one or two guys go out. So I was totally caught off guard by that. And sure enough. Yeah. Everyone, everyone just fired them up and, and they were, they were going straight into the first moto without a sight lap. So, I mean, props to those guys because they didn't know what the track, what was lying ahead basically on I mean,
1: mm-hmm.
2: outside unseen.
1: Right, yeah, I remember being in that uh, in that position once or twice in my pro career too, where everybody skipped the sight lap, and it is eerie, it is weird. Where it's like all of a sudden, okay, I, I guess here we're going. Otherwise, you kind of get that slow ramp up, whether it's your, uh, you know, your adrenaline or whatever. Like, okay, here's the sight lap. Next time I come through here, you know, we're going to be in this gnarly pack of guys. You don't get that with no sight lap. So, uh, so yeah. that is that is a shock a little bit. Um, but Chad Weenan quickly overtakes Michael Allred for the lead. He. Uh, begins to set sail from there now about halfway through that opening lap um, our next crazy moment happens when Joel Hatcher comes into a corner hot he gets sideways it spits him off worst case scenario for Joel honestly at this point upside down in the mud Casey what do you see?
0: Um, I've seen a guy that was willing to take every chance I had to get there with Chad mm-hmm. and put it all in line and I mean racers are racers you ain't gonna change that Um, In my eyes, in all honesty, I mean, obviously, Joel made a mistake, so I can't sit here and say he didn't do anything wrong. Um, I'd say the first mistake happened is going back to Ian's point that they didn't do sight lap. And in those conditions, so there's been plenty of mud races where I've been with John or Doug or, you know, whoever, and with thick, nasty, heavy mud. And I'm like, nope, we're not doing site lap. In that condition where you can cruise around and actually see it and fill the big tires and see what how the sickness is, but the slickness. If you were the only guy to go, who cares? Mm-hmm. So like, I'm still stuck on the sight lap thing. I've been stuck on it all week. I'm like angry about it <laughs> to the point. But it, the sight lap could have or couldn't have Fix that issue. But at the same time, like Joe was just there to do a job. He needed to get to the front. He seen there was guys between him and Chad, and he needed to be next to Chad and which had to win a race. And so, in my eyes, like none of us are perfect. I make mistakes every day. We all do. He made a mistake. It is what it is. He's got a hole to dig out of now. Um, super proud of his, you know his rebound. You know, he didn't have any front breaks. Like the rest of that moto, still went out and turned. I believe he turned the fastest lap time of the race, or really, really close to it, with no front brakes in those conditions. Mm-hmm. So, I can't be mad at the guy. Like, oh no, he put his heart out there. So, it sucks, but what are you going to do? That's it's racing. Cool. If we knew the results of the races, we wouldn't show up.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that's
0: that's it right there.
1: Exactly. I, I think it's one of those situations where it was, you know, something happened, things happen in those, in those conditions, they happen fast. Um, but it's not like he would do anything different next time around. I mean, that's, that's kind of what you're getting at, Casey. Like he, yes, yeah. it was, it was, it was dubbed as a mistake. Like it's, it's going to be called a mistake, but it's not like he went out on a limb and tried something sketchy in a moment and then it bit him. No, he was just, he was just doing his thing, you know, spur of the moment thing happened. He got sideways, it spit him off. It's, it, it was an honest mistake. It's just something that happens, you know, came up and bit him, but, um, he would make a quick pit stop before charging up. You know, to 10th in the moto, you could see after he came in, I don't know if he got new goggles or whatever, but he threw it in hyperspeed there for a little while. And, um, not the, it obviously wasn't the moto that the point leader coming into the moto wanted, but his teammate Jeffrey Restrelli was running strong in the runner-up spot behind Chad Wienan, um, brought it home solidly in second to match his career best moto finish nine different times. He's finished second in a pro moto this was a strong ride. Um, was was he pumped? Was Jeffrey pumped after that one, Casey?
0: Yeah, he was definitely happy. And I think the impressive thing to me, and, you know, obviously there's mud there that, you know, adds different elements. But Jeffrey was good all day, but his qualifying times weren't. And he wasn't happy about that. And I'm like, dude, like everyone's so close. Just chill. I mean, he was – he had Chad, Joel, Brandon – three, four, five, six, seven. He was seventh. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it wasn't a big gap between, you know, third and seventh, eight, you know, Max Lindquist was eighth. Like he was not happy about that either. Right. But to be able to come out and finish second in the first moto, you know, for Jeffrey, it put him in a really good position going into the second moto. And I think it put his head back on straight. And, you know, some of these guys, they need to remember at times. And, you know, hopefully they're listening, like, you know, practice or qualifying isn't always everything mm-hmm. you know we don't call you racers because you're good at practice right and i've been preaching that to my riders for many many years because i've had riders that could barely qualify to make a night show because of the live timing mm-hmm. you know and timing lap times to get you into the show or whatever it is so um impressed with jeffrey's first moto um even the second moto i mean Something happened there. Something with a stomach. Something. I actually haven't got to talk to him since after, since before the second moto. But mm-hmm. something went on that second moto with him, and I, I don't really have an answer to what it had happened.
1: Okay. Well, um, yeah, I do think that it was a good ride for him there. I was stoked for him in the the first moto. We'll get to more of the second moto stuff. Bryce Ford kind of wrapping up things in the first moto Bryce Ford got up to third on lap four and ran all alone really in the number three spot for the duration of that one. The first moto Ian, I know you're a key player in Bryce's program. What can you say about the opening moto there? It was a good ride in tough conditions for the youngster. Stepped up, really looked like looked kind of more like a veteran. Road seemed like he rode more in control in that first moto, which is exactly what you needed to do in those conditions. I came away really impressed with that one. So Ian, uh, what about you?
2: Yeah, I was very impressed with it. Uh, overall, I can tell on the track he was he seemed much more calm than I've seen him in previous races. uh, Um, and, and even before the race and even like the week leading up to it, talking to him, he just had a way more positive, you know, attitude about just racing in general and and going into it. Uh, and as soon as the gate dropped, I mean, he he was buried quite a ways back and quick passes and, and he just seemed he didn't seem out of control you know not that he ever rides out of control you can tell when people are in panic mode they just seem a little bit frazzled you know
1: of course yeah
2: he looked um yeah i was impressed he he definitely looked like a veteran out there and and it showed in the end i mean he he held right with jeffrey he was pressuring him a few different times um i mean he he definitely he definitely rode well
1: And I feel like, and maybe that's just the, you know, the, the younger dude in him, you know, kind of that younger mindset, obviously he's full of fire, but I also feel like maybe, I mean, maybe the ups and downs are a little more peaks and valleys when you're, when you're, you know, younger, he's a young pro he's used to winning his whole career. So I felt like you were going to maybe see that little bit of a boost after we saw him get that podium at Pleasure Valley, because I, like you're kind of saying, like everything is just a little more elevated. You know, you're going to, okay, I got that monkey off my back. I'm back where I'm supposed to be. Okay. Now let's hit the ground running. I just kind of got that feeling. So it doesn't necessarily come as a surprise for sure. So fourth in this one was our whole shot award winner Michael Allred. What a performance. Um Casey, so so for him to hang on and I know it was a muddy moto, but for him to hang on to that you know, that fourth spot to see guys, you know, like Wesley got fifth, to see Wesley straight up finish fifth behind Michael. Like, obviously, it's kind of a little bit of a cheat code when you get that good start, but man, credit to him. He looked to the part of a top three, top five guy there. That whole first moto, credit to him, fourth for Michael Alred in moto one. What do you got to say about that?
0: Yeah, I want to touch on uh Bryce just for a second. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah i felt like his ride was very veteran like i mean you kind of you already said it but i felt like Mm -hmm. um to make a point on it like even during the moto me and rodney were talking and i i told him multiple times i'm like look at bryce like he's out there riding in the mud which bryce hasn't always been known for the strongest mud guy even back when he was so dominant as an amateur through pro-am and all that stuff so uh Give give him credit where credit's due. I, I was really proud of him and, and the flow that he had going, and that's really what it takes to put yourself in that position in a race like that. But um, going to Michael, you know, Rodney had asked me right before the first moto, what is the biggest advantage you can have coming into a moto like this? And I, the start. Mm-hmm. You know, or he said, who – who has the biggest advantage? That's what it was. Who has who, the biggest advantage coming into a motor like this? And he's looking for Chad because Chad does this Joel. Cause Joel does this. Whoever yeah, gets the does whole shot. And I'm like, whoever holds a whole shot. like It's just plain exactly. and simple. Yeah. And that's what Michael did. And that's what we're seeing right here. I mean, that's the biggest advantage you can get. And I talked to Michael and Chris Hunt on the way home for quite a while. They were riding back down to North Carolina together. I was on my way back down to North Carolina and we talked, I don't know, for an hour and a half. And uh, Chris and myself, we go fishing a bunch, um, and so we were just kind of shooting it and going back and forth. And the one key thing that I picked up during the moto was Michael's lap times. It wasn't like he was riding around in third and fourth, you know. You know, lap four, Bryce got him. Michelle mm-hmm. got him pretty early. I think lap one or two. Mm-hmm but it wasn't like he was running around once he got into fourth with lap times that were way off of their pace. His lap times were a second to three-quarters a second to a second and a quarter, say, mm-hmm. off of Chad's time, Jeffrey's time, and Bryce's time. I mean, he was right there, so he straight-up earned it. And what I had told him, I'm like, look, you know, we've seen that orange, or yellow bike up front in many first turns this year mm-hmm. or down the straightaway. And then we've seen it upside down many times <laughs> in the corner,
1: right?
0: which <laughs> unfortunate. unfortunate. Um, but what what I was telling him, I'm like, so you just proved to yourself you're capable of running the speed with that top five, you know, top seven group Because really, seventh, eighth through third, I mean, those guys swap around. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got one, you know, we've talked about it. Yep. So I'm like, you proved yourself. I said, so it's just making it through the first turn. But if you put yourself in that position like he did and get a whole shot or come out top three, now you know you can do it. So now you can actually believe in yourself to do it. And that was what I took from him. And, you know, he, he had a, it was just very impressive.
1: Yeah. I mean, very so his, mature ride. Yeah. His starts have been so good. You, you hit on how good those lap times were. He clearly looked the part. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, at the end of the, you look at the results and it's like, holy shit, Michael all fourth. But during the moto, like it was, it was not shocking. Like he was, he was the fourth best guy after the things played out in that moto. Then, um, to you touch know, on it, go ahead.
0: What I was thinking about during the moto, like as I was up there watching him, I'm like, Thomas has got to be like the proudest little dad ever right now. <laughs> Cause Thomas kills it in the mud. Like, and yeah. Thomas will never admit that, He has some sort of advantage in the mud or whatever. He just says it's a mental thing, which I've heard that from multiple guys. Doug used to say the same thing. John would say the same thing. Mm -hmm. But Thomas is a mud specialist. As much as he doesn't want to admit it, Mm -hmm. it happens. And so to see Michael and know how much time Michael has spent with Thomas, it was kind of cool watching that as they went on, as the moto went on.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it was really impressive to see what he did, and I was just going to touch on the fact that he's went upside down in so many of these first corners, and some of that is because his starts have been so good that he's like, you know, he's at the lead pack, but he's on the outside, and then as those guys drift wide, you know, he gets bit. But his starts, like his actual starting ability, the jumps he's been getting has been amazing, and uh, that's a credit to him. And, and like I said to Ian at the very start of this uh, segment. Um, he picked the perfect time to actually get the whole shot after being close so many times this year. So Michael Allred, what a performance. Let's us, let's get this guy in here to talk about a, a truly unforgettable day for him. All right, guys, stoked to get this guy back on the show. Brought to you by Manscaped and their Lawnmower 4.0 electric trimmer. Go to manscaped.com to get 20% off, plus free shipping by using code deep 20 at manscaped.com. He's got a killer beard. Maybe he uses Manscaped to keep that thing 100. I don't know, but what I do know is he grabbed a whole shot award at Unadilla and finished fourth in Moto 1 and then backed it up in Moto 2 and earned sixth overall. Say hello to Mr. Michael Allred. Mike, what's up, man? Thanks for uh, coming back to Digging Deep.
4: How's it going, Cody? I hope you're doing fine and uh, happy to be back home.
1: Dude, career day for you at Unadilla. Is there a, is there, so let me, let me start right off the bat. Is there a better feeling than ripping a whole shot in the mud, let alone in the pro class? I mean, to get out front in clean air like you did, man, it's like a cheat code. And you executed that thing perfectly.
4: Man, I never felt anything like it. I mean, it was unbelievable. And I knew that's what we had to do in the mud because the weather was coming and, Right. If 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 you don't get out there at the beginning in the, in a mud race, mm-hmm. it's 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 a done deal.
1: Mm-hmm. So I know um you know when you rip a whole shot and like for that moment in time it feels like you're the only dude out there. Well, I have to imagine when you're in the pro class, like it's that much more like holy shit. Like where is everybody?
4: <laughs> yeah, that was what crossed my mind. Holy shit. But.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Uh, you've been up there a bunch of, uh, a bunch of times on the starts this season. It seems like you got your starts dialed and man, I remember your starts being good. You know, we, we spent an entire summer racing each other the year before last. Um, but it's like you moved up to the pro class and somehow your starts got even better. How does that happen?
4: Well, uh, well, I did some training with Thomas. He helped me out with a few things. Also, um, when I raced a 25 plus class with you. Mm-hmm. I wasn't having Baldwin do my motors,
1: oh okay, uh, thank God <laughs> we
4: had another guy doing them and uh <laughs> last year when we ran pro am we got hooked up with baldwin, and that's when our starts man was they were starting to get on point and mm-hmm. it's it's just been uphill from there,
1: man, you killed it um we talked to the guys on the show on this episode, how your, your starts, you've been up there all year long. Um, and finally it came together on this one. You picked the perfect time to, to actually get the whole shot, you know, in a mud race like that. So, um, during my pro career, I always wanted mud races, right? I I wanted it to rain every single weekend. Uh, you know, I was like a, like an eight to 10 guy. Um, but I knew if I got a good start in the mud, I could finish up front. And at Loretta's one year, I started third behind creamer and someone else. And I, thought you know here's my chance man um you know i had a little goggle malfunction at that time kind of screwed me which i still to this day remember um, but I'm watching you grab the whole shot there and run up front for the entirety of moto one. And all I could think of is you were doing exactly what I always pictured myself doing in the pro class and just could never quite pull off. So tell me about the emotions you felt after you, you ran such an amazing race in that first moto, you crossed the line in fourth in moto one there, it had to be like the greatest post-race feeling ever. Like that had to be the highlight of your racing career to that point.
4: Yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody looks forward to a mud race. You're the first I heard say that. So. <laughs>
1: well, I knew I had a chance then, Mike. I knew I had a chance. That's what I was getting at. <laughs> but um, yeah, Chad, he
4: wasn't wasting no time. He got around me in the second turn, and when he got around me, I just kind of, I was like, okay, Mike, latch on, go wherever he goes. If um, and I just ran my race, and I never looked back. I didn't care who was behind me. I was just looking forward and um, coming up horsepower hill that last lap, man, it was just unbelievable. I just needed somebody to pinch me, somebody to wake me up. It just, mm-hmm. it felt unbelievable.
1: You know, And I saw... it felt
4: even better. I mean, it felt good for me, but it felt even better to give back to everybody that's put into this program that gives me this opportunity to do this sport. So.
1: Yeah, man. I saw the, I saw that picture of you like fist pumping after you came over the finish line. And I just, Thought that was so cool, right? Like, um, it you know for
4: not every day somebody fist pumps for a fourth, but hey, uh, like that feels like a win.
1: You're exactly (laughs) you're exactly right. Chris Hunt, who's your title sponsor, Huntscape's had uh, had had told me it was like a win for you guys, and that's exactly right. I mean, my best finish was a sixth, and it came at Unadilla as well one year, and that absolutely felt like a win in the pro class for me. And I've been on record on the show here saying this before. But it's like, you know, maybe, you know, uh, like me getting a six, you getting a fourth is more notable, like notable, like you're closer to the front. But for me, like I was in sixth place. And for me, like that was an actual win. Like I was hype as shit to get sixth. And uh, like nobody else probably even knew. Right. But for me, that was a win. So um, to hear that from Chris, like when he said that to me, I could so relate because I could feel that exact feeling again. And like you said, I mean, you ran so strong in that first moto. You looked the part of a top five guy throughout that whole race. Look at the dudes that you beat, dude: Wesley Wolf, Brandon Hogue, Nick Janusa. Like, dudes, I'm sure you always looked up to. Like coming up through the ranks, you, uh, you, you were ahead of them guys throughout and looked the part of it. It's, it's freaking awesome, dude.
4: It, it, it was truly unbelievable, man. I mean, it, when I got out there and I. I kind of did a look back over Scrawshot, and I didn't see anybody back there. I seen a group, but th- I had a good gap,
2: uh-huh. and
4: um, I couldn't tell who anybody was. You know, everybody's covered in mud, so um, there was a one eighty turn in the back of the track, and I could turn. When I made that turn, I could check my peripheral, and I could see where they were. And every lap, they would stay in there. And then towards the end of the moto, it was like I was gaining more ground, and I just couldn't believe it.
1: Right. <laughs> Oh, that's crazy. Um, yes. Yeah, speaking of, of Mr. Hunt, he was, uh, he was our one and only digging deep ATV MX fantasy winner this week. And I have to believe that a lot of that had to do with the fact that he believed in you, man. He, uh, you paid off in a major way for his team on Saturday. You were the biggest swing player in the game and he ended up being our only winner. So I assume his rider, you were a big part, uh big part to do with that.
4: Yeah, man, he was pumped on that. Super pumped on that. <laughs> that just topped the weekend off for both of us.
1: Right, right. He's got a T-shirt coming and, and some other stuff, so I'm stoked on that. But uh, so then in Moto Two, uh, the track is prime this time around. Uh, around and uh, this Moto stood out to me just as much because you came out and in that Moto and you had the best moto of the season for you, other than the fourth and the first moto that seventh and moto two, um, was the, you moved into seventh late in the race. And and that ended up being the the best moto of the season for you so far, again, excluding the first moto, which, uh, was super impressive because to me, it was like, man, you backed up everything you did in the first moto. You legitimized it. Uh, this was no longer a mud moto. This was straight up, and you were up front again. And uh, to earn sixth overall in the day, man, it was just a it was a way of putting an exclamation point on a career day for you. Like I said, it backed up everything you did in moto one. That had to be such a good feeling. Like uh, like it legitimized everything for you. And you know, you got fourth in the first moto to walk away with sixth overall. I mean that is also like just as impressive for me because you did it in the mud and you did it on dry conditions as well. Like it was just your day.
4: Thanks, Cody. Yeah, our start wasn't as good second moto. We come out, we come out towards the front. Um mm-hmm. We came out about, I'd say fifth or sixth. And um in the second, third turn before you make the drop under the bridge. Okay. I had a little mishap and it took me off the track a little bit and I got freight trained. Um, But the motivation was there from first moto. I knew that I could run with those guys and it just felt like my day and I was feeling good all day and qualifying and just the motivation was there and I brought it back home with me also.
1: Oh, I love to, love to hear that, man. It was uh, a hell of a day for you. Did you see that, uh, that on social media, people were, were wanting literally wanting to hear from you. They were begging to have you come on the show here. So uh, I feel like you're creating a little fan following too. Like uh, like I've been selling the, you know, the working class hero guy, like you're the, you're the, 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 every man of the pro class right now. Like you have so many people pulling for you. I feel like for that reason.
4: Thanks, man. Yeah, it's awesome. I've been getting messages left and right from people and it's cool that they come over at the track too, you know, and they, they come to check on you, see if you need anything, congratulate you, man. I just love, it. it's cool when the ATV family comes together and it's just one big, one big family, man, and everybody just there to help each other
1: out. Yeah, you deserve it, man. Uh, last question for you, pal. You became a father recently, and uh, I'm sure that was a whole lot to lot to juggle as a rookie pro in itself. Um, but I was curious to know how how uh, that put things in perspective for you, maybe at the same time, like how this racing thing isn't that big and scary. It's, it's really just going out and and riding your four wheeler when, um, you know, I, like they say, being a dad changes your perspective on things. So I just wanted to ask you about that.
4: Um, it, it makes the training a little tougher. Um, it changes your, it changes your mind on that stuff. Um, you, you have to keep the motivation there. You have to be willing for late nights and everything like that, because you're going to, you lose some sleep, no doubt.
1: <laughs> right, right, right.
4: Um, but overall, man, it's awesome. I'm making it work. It's, it's hard to juggle, you know, with work and just having a newborn. um, also putting in the time for motocross that I need to put in at this level. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to juggle it all out, but, we're figuring it out and hopefully we can keep doing it for a couple more years.
1: That's what I was going to ask, man. First of all, you're killing it, but that's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask if you anticipated doing it for a few more years or I uh, was just hoping it wasn't going to be like one and done for you or anything like that.
4: Yeah, I'm definitely planning on getting back out there. Um, we'll, we'll see how the rest of this year goes, but as of now, we're planning on coming back in 22.
1: Yeah, That's what I like to hear. Chris ain't going nowhere. Chris is going to stick yeah. with you, pal.
4: He loves it, man.
1: (laughs) I love it, it. He
4: loves the people there. He just, he's, he's, he's stuck like we are.
1: Right. I love to hear it. Um, and that's what I thought you were going to say, but, uh, pal, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I appreciate you. Uh, we, we had a couple technical difficulties here, but we, but we made it work. I joked that it was, uh, two tech guys doing tech guy things, which is absolutely not the case here. Um, <laughs> but we had to get you on to talk about your day. It's a day that I'm sure you'll never forget. And, I uh, just wanted to, um, thank you again, tell you a killer job, congrats. And, and thanks for joining us. We appreciate it so much.
4: Thank you, Cody. I do have another thing I wanna say. I don't know yeah, if yeah. anybody caught it when I was on the stage for uh, the whole shot. Okay. I called my wife fiance.
1: Oh shoot.
5: <laughs>
4: she wasn't <laughs> well, happy. I, told her I had a message as soon as I got back to my phone.
1: <laughs> oh boy. <laughs>
4: <laughs> she wasn't mad or anything. Right. And I told her, I said, Well, the last time I got to stand on the stage, you know you were my fiance so
1: right that's funny. she said
4: She said listen it's fine if we can do another
1: wedding <laughs> I was <laughs> like,
4: yeah, you'll be my wife next time babe." so i got definitely got to get back on there and,
1: hey, uh, hey you'll need to win a whole lot of uh of whole shot awards to be able to afford another wedding
4: yeah no kidding
1: <laughs> yeah uh, we're gonna need it to rain a little more huh uh, i don't know about that i mean your starts have been good all year but uh yeah that's that's funny stuff but pal i can't can't thank you can't thank you enough for doing this pal and thanks to uh thanks to your wife for letting us use her phone (laughs) for this
4: yeah man thank you it's awesome and i'm glad you got me back on here um i enjoyed being on here and anytime you want me to come back on just shoot me a message and i'll be glad to
1: uh, you're always welcome here, pal. That's rookie Michael Allred coming off his best career finish in the pro class brought to you by Manscaped. Use discount code digging deep 20 for 20% off at manscaped.com. Thanks again, pal. We'll see you soon.
4: Thank you, Cody. Have a good one.
1: You too, pal. As the number one podcast in ATV racing, it's only right that we partner with the industry leaders in suspension tuning insert impact solutions impact solutions is a full-service atv and side-by-side suspension center specializing in the revalving and service of your motocross and off-road suspension with over 25 years of elite level knowledge experience and testing with riders of all ages and ability levels casey greek jay gobel and the impact crew strive to exceed the clients expectations for service and setup Impact Solutions is the official Elka Suspension Service Center of the United States offering unmatched product knowledge and experience. Whether you're in need of service, parts, warranty, sales, or technical support, Impact Solutions has you covered. Head over to ImpactSolutionsATV.com or give them a call today. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. The following message is brought to you by Manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has outdone themselves this time, creating the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, now available for purchase in the U.S. and Canada. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, an official sponsor of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I am blown away. This thing is next level. What sets this trimmer apart from all the rest? The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. It features a new multi-functioning on-off switch with travel lock for those of us who like to travel. And my favorite, the new trimmer allows you to customize your trim with four different guard lengths and upgrade from its predecessor that only featured two. If you're listening, you know that good tools are a must, so wait no more to get the best tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes, a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology. DP has been dominating the ATV world for decades, supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet. 2021's impressive lineup includes Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rostrelli of the Phoenix Racing Team, myself, Cody Jansen, and my back-to-back national championships, Baldwin Motorsports, Ford Brothers Racing, Nick Janusa, Wesley Wolf, and many more, including all of the top 14 GNCC series pros, led by the champ Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, and Chris Borich. These top riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP Brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on the top of the podium. Available at www.dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or message the show for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP Brakes. 15 years into the brand's existence, Factory 43 is back with us in continuing to make huge waves in the ATV world. For the second consecutive season, Factory 43 is the official aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing ATV team, providing their state-of-the-art Evo Nerf bars, MX-style front bumpers, and grab bars for some of the fastest riders on the planet. If you're in the market to upgrade your Nerf bars, bumpers, or grab bars, head over to Factory43ATV.com to see their full line of products available for all makes and models. Want to be just like Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rostrelli riding with Factory43's industry-leading products? Head over to Factory43ATV.com today. It was a career day to say the least for Michael Allred. fifth place in moto one was Wesley Wolf. He made that move into, into fifth there in the final stages of the race. Brandon Hogue was also charging forward in this one, but it was Cody Ford who ran inside the top five for three quarters of this race, but get this. He suffered two flat tires and a rear brake malfunction that played a role in him falling from fifth to ninth late in this one. So Cody Ford was much better than the box score show just wanted to touch on that let's get into moto two then two hours had passed and casey you were texting me pictures of the crew actually watering the track ahead of the <laughs> second moto um the sun had come out the track had had i mean the track was pretty much primo uh in primo condition at this point
0: yeah it come around and was, it was funny um we had tyler one of the guys that helps me in the shop he was helping with the CST rig this weekend. We had another big event for the Maxis truck in Oklahoma. So Mike, our normal CST driver, um, went out there to help Dave. And so I brought Tyler up to kind of help keep track of the CST rig while we were there. And we're walking up to the tower. This is now his first ATV motocross race ever in his life. You know, and he's just like the little kid in the stands with his helmet on. That was Tyler all weekend. Like it, it was impressive. Um, but he just loved it. And he's heard all these guys' names that we work with and we do suspension for and, you know, so on and so forth. And so I stood on the fence with him and I pointed to him over and I'm like, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so. So he actually got to see what we do in action. But as we were walking up, the water truck had passed us. And I'm like, you wouldn't have believed two hours ago we were sitting hiding underneath the canopies to stay dry and packing everything away as fast as we could and he's like wow and that was like i got up in there and i was like i thought it'd be a cool picture for you to be able to post just needing content throughout the day i know how it Mm -hmm. goes yeah and so i shot you that picture i'm like look at this they're out there water on the track and you know we ended up with you know a heck of a racetrack the second moto
1: I couldn't believe the conditions that we saw. So Chad came out second in that first hole shot of the day and in moto two, he got the hole shot. Joel came out right behind him. And honestly, I would have bet the farm, uh, we kind of touched on this already, but I would have bet the farm that Joel Hattrick would get the lead and run away with moto too. But it was, it was kind of the opposite. I mean, Chad Weenan ran uh, off with this one added onto his lead. Every, every single lap, basically oh. one by 12 seconds at the finish. Ian, uh, Chad, Chad had done some amazing stuff. He's done some amazing stuff in his career, but this might've been as impressed as I've ever been with Chad. Just because like we touched on to this point, I mean, Joel's been so dominant there and then to see just how impressive it was. Like that was obviously the first moto was kind of a mud moto. The second one, just being so impressive on a primo track, I might've been as impressed as I've ever been with Chad there in moto Two.
2: Yeah, I was, I was really impressed when, when he came out of that first turn and he only had about a bike length on Joel. And I, I feel like he almost even glanced over, he knew Joel was right there Mm -hmm. and and you know, I wouldn't have been surprised to like you said for them to come around them them first couple corners back down into gravity cavity and Joel was you know right next to him or had passed him and
1: right
2: at all just from previous years and previous hole shots and his bike was was definitely dialed and set up for that terrain that track i mean it was sticking where it needed to stick and he was getting the utmost traction of what he needed to get. I mean, it was, it was definitely impressive. I mean, there's, there's no doubt.
1: It was his day for sure. I, when they came out one and two, I'm like, okay, it's on here we go. But yeah, just, just didn't end up happening that way. So Joel finished second, 12 seconds behind Chad. Um, He was about the same distance ahead of Wesley also, who was, was third. Wesley was another 10 to 12 seconds back. Um, was, was this a, was this a head scratching one for you, Casey? Like, um, you know, we've never really seen Joel miss a beat like this at Unadilla, you know, he's almost so the record, you know, he'd won five of nine times there went one, one, five times there of the nine times he's went there. He's almost like undefeated on, on when he had been on the Honda. Some of those mishaps were, you know, on a can am or whatever in years previously. Um, so we haven't seen this really from him there before, at least not in some time was something hindering him or or did it did it was it the fact that he just simply didn't find a flow there in the second moto
0: yeah i think that's what it kind of come down to is you know he got the start he needed to and i think at the end of the day and i've actually heard this from chad before years ago um you know i'm just not willing to go that fast mm-hmm And I think that's just kind of where Joel was at. I'm really surprised that, uh, like I have it written down right here, like I'm surprised that Chad was willing to go that fast. Like he was willing to go as fast as it took. Like Joel could push him and he was going to try to go to that extra level. And we've had this conversation there many times. I can remember talking, you know, obviously John is one of those guys. He's like, I'll go as fast as you want to go. I don't care. Mm -hmm. And I think Joel, it was just that day. He just wasn't willing to go as fast as Chad was willing to go. And that's usually the person that can walk away from, you know, Dilla with the win. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've won there with John in the past. We've watched creamer show up there and win out of the blue, mm-hmm. you know, Chad's won there in the past too, Yep. but Joel's usually the guy that's going to go. And he's like, I don't care. I'll go 90 mile an hour, pass around bail <laughs> and never even flinch. <laughs> and I just, there was something in Joel's head that day, I guess. It just said, we're not doing it today. So, you know, it is what it is. You know, he knows the work that he's got cut out for him. I actually got to have a small conversation with him yesterday. And um, he's kind of like Unadilla who, and he's moved on. So good. that's good. You know, Chad was impressive, and you can't take that away from the guy. And to step up on a track that, you know, technically, I mean, I think almost everyone, you know, even some of his key group, it almost wrote him off. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, some of us in Joel's key group had almost chalked it up to being an easy day and that's definitely not what it was. So yeah,
1: yeah, it is what it is. Going into that second moto, I just, you know, we know that Joel is fiery, right? So if after that kind of that mishap or whatever you want to call it in moto one, I just figured he was going to be so fired up for moto two that nothing was going to stop him. But I think you chalk it up. It was just Chad's day. You know, I, when it's your day, when everything's clicking, right. When everything you're hitting on all cylinders, when you're hitting on all your marks, when everything is going just right, everything slows down. And that had to be the, the kind of, um. The kind of day that Chad had. I mean, I think that we saw it the way it went down. So 10, two for fifth overall, it was damage control for Joel Hetrick. Uh, moving on from that a little bit. So third in moto two was Wesley Wolf. He ran, he ran third, the entire moto was a super good ride for him. And I don't know about you guys. I think I kind of can, can connect the dots on what I was hearing on the, the broadcast, but I'm pretty sure everyone thought that he was getting the podium spot until, you know, we actually sat down and did the math. Um, Casey, did, did you guys think that Wesley was going to get the podium spot there?
0: So I'm glad I'm doing the review pod this weekend because we sounded like complete idiots, (laughs) but (laughs) what had happened is, so a lot of people don't know, like we have live timing in front of us. So we're watching live timing and seeing the lap times. And then about halfway, three quarters of the way through the moto, they'll pop up in the corner. Of the screen, and it'll show the overalls how they run. And so, the when as these guys are position jockeying, they're going back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's telling us who's in okay. third, you know, second, first, okay. all the way through the overall running order. And so, the whole time, it's telling us Wesley has it. Wesley has it. And then at some point, I want to say Harv radioed to someone and said, "No, Rostelli's third, But that was right after Hogue had his mishap with the round bail.
1: Yep,
0: and then. So I moved someone into a different position. That, it's so hard to remember. Mm-hmm. But yeah. someone had moved into a different position, and it put Rastrelli in the third overall. And so we're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But that just happened. <laughs> and then Max passed Rastrelli, and I'm like, okay, well, that puts Wesley back in, and that's exactly what had happened on the live timing, you know, overall sheet. So yeah. that's what yeah. we called, I mean, to the point, you know, I think – um Johnny Hale had like an argument with somebody and then they sat and actually did the calculations. And when you go off of points, it did put Jeffrey in third, which, you know, was awesome to get him his second podium of the year. Wesley rode great that second moto. And, you know, for a while there, I mean, he was hanging right there on Joel for a good part of that moto and not necessarily matching his lap times, but, you know, for the first say three or four laps, you know Wesley was riding really well. I mean, yeah. he rode well the whole time. So, but yeah. I mean, yeah. he was really staying within a couple seconds of Joel, which I thought, and and Wesley should think that that's impressive.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wesley, Wesley rode really well there. He looked, he looked really good in that second moto. Yeah. I was curious, you know, I was curious, uh, on how that all worked for you guys. Like I said, so I actually put the first post out of mine that, that said, Wesley got the podium spot. And then I saw like a, like a picture or something. And I'm like, wait, Jeffrey. So like, we all do the quick motocross math. Right. So there's, you know, there was two, six for Jeffrey and, you know, five, three for Wesley. So it's like, okay, it's a tie third and the second moto is a tiebreaker but then when you actually break down the pro points just because pro points are a little bit different um you know each moto being points paying that jeffrey actually edged him by by one point there so that was uh it it seemed like a little confusion even from from my spot but it's funny to hear you guys breaking it down on the radio and and now saying that you sounded like idiots later on but i'm glad it worked out i mean i was was, i was stoked it was terrible Yeah. I was stoked for Jeffrey, obviously speaking of podium spots, Bryce Ford, he raced up to fourth in moto two, which was good enough to earn second overall in the day, a new career best for Bryce and Ian. Um, again, I know you're close with that, with that group there. You're part of his camp as Robin kind of pointed out in one of her social posts, you could literally see the pure joy on Bryce Ford's face after this one.
2: Yeah, he was, he was ecstatic for sure. And, And he knew, I mean, where he needed to be to, to get in second, to be on the podium. Yes. I feel like he was right. I mean, he rode right on Wesley's for the majority of that race. There were two laps to go and it was where I I was standing in the middle of the track and, and they come through gravity cavity and step go over that big tabletop that drops down into a a left-hand sweeper. And there was a good size rut right before you go up into that pro section and he had it up on the bike on two wheels. And it was, he even said after the race, it was everything he could do to, to get that bike back down. I, I literally thought he was going over. Oh my my gosh. Like (laughs) it was close to throwing it away, you know, but I mean, he was, yeah. Smiling ear to ear, of course, when, when he got up there and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, he, he couldn't put a pass on without, you know, having to stick it in hard on Wesley and he wasn't, going to risk that and jeopardize both of their you know finishes for sure so right yeah he it was impressive definitely and
1: you know obviously every you know those guys everybody wants max points but for what he needed on the day to get second overall you know he didn't need to push the issue and he had been on here and told us he had had some thirds he had had a you know a handful of thirds at this point he wanted to get a second, you know, he was looking at that gradual incline. He wanted to get a second yeah. before, for obviously, you know, then the next goal is to win. So um, he knew what he had to do there. I thought it was thought all day long. it was a uh, mature, mature day for him, which is, uh, is, is impressive. That's kind of the, one of the next boxes that we needed to see is just a full in control, mature day for him. And he obviously did that. So I thought that whole day was impressive there for Bryce. Um, yeah, Jeffrey. Absolutely. Yeah. So Jeffrey Rostrelli, he pulls off third overall. Uh, we kind of just touched on that with his two, six scores. I was surprised, but so stoked for Jeffrey. Obviously Casey, him and Bryce are now tied for third in points. Um, Wesley is nine points back. Janusa is 17 back. Now we'll get to him, Max Linquist, Brandon Hogue, uh, are a little ways back after that. It looks, like, it looks like it very well could be Jeffrey or Bryce. They're tied right now. Wesley isn't too far back. He's been nice and consistent all season long but that consistent but fast kind of perfect combo is going to be you know key down the stretch here that battle for third and points is becoming uh you know is becoming ever ever closer um you know and and almost ever clearer with each and every race that passes by
0: yeah and that's i mean we came into this race with that position almost tied or Mm -hmm. really close i think there was one point between genusa and rastrelli and you know, the, the heavy fall here is Janusa with a, you know, very upsetting day for him. You know, I, he was just wrecked by the end of the day with, you know, having a mechanical in the second moto and just, you know, I think we all seen the stories on Instagram about his feeling of mud races. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you actually, what had happened? Cause I know even when I was talking to, Chris Hunt and Michael Allred on the way home, there was some talks. Like we were looking, and there was a bigger gap between Bryce and Jeffrey. And then you had made, reposted something and said, Hey, this is the re rescheduled. So what had happened with that? I don't know if you have any clarification for it.
1: I really don't. So I posted that and, and Jeffrey commented on it and said that there was a mistake made and that they should be tied. And it showed a 10 point gap between Bryce and Jeffrey. So I'm like, okay, well, I, I didn't, I didn't take the time to, to reach out to Jeffrey. I thought, well, if the points change in the next day or two um, we're going to know something was wrong and I don't know how it happened, but they were on top of it. They, they were actually tied. So originally it showed uh showed that there was a 10 point gap between the two and, and Robin even had weighed in from the Ford side and said, yeah, I didn't think that that 10 point gap was right. Um, but yeah, they're tied. And I kind of, where I was going with that is, yeah, like everybody's been close, but um It's, it's almost like we're seeing maybe the guys that maybe this battle is going to come down to. And I don't want to count out any of those guys. I don't want to count out Nick Janusa because he had a, you know, he had a mechanical and stuff there, but um, you know, those heavy hitters, it's like, is, is this the guys that are going to set themselves apart down the stretch here, are we seeing that or is it just a little bit muddled right now? And it's going to clear up as things, as things, um, you know, kind of play out here the next couple of weeks. I don't know, but it's going to be really interesting to watch.
0: Yeah. I think it's going to continue to get closer. I don't think we've seen the last of Wesley or Nick right. or Bryce or Jeffrey. I think they're all hungry. And I think for any of those guys, whoever ends up third, and this is, it sounds shitty to say, but I think they're going to take it home as a win, um, you know, that we talked about it all preseason. I think everyone did. And, you know, Chad and Joel have kind of put themselves into a league and those guys are battling hard and they're they're paying attention. That's like Jeffrey send, you know, commenting like, no, that's not what it is. And, you know, Robin already knew that wasn't what it is. Like mm-hmm. these guys are they're all doing their math. Uh, you know, away from it, away from, you know, back on the way home or whatever it is. So um, knowing the fight that Janusa has, you know, I think, you know, we counted, you know, Max was in this for a long time and Brandon Hogue, I think they're in a position now points wise, it, it's going to be pretty hard, but I think between, you know, if we go sixth to third, those guys, there's still a lot of shuffling. We've seen Janusa go from third to sixth in one weekend, you know, Rostrelli, it's been, Third, fourth. You know, he's one point out third. Now he's tied for third. So, I mean, it's kind of like my fantasy league going <laughs> terrible.
1: <laughs> (laughs) All over the place. All over the place. That's gonna be really interesting to watch. So to kind of complete, um, to complete the rest of the field here, I just want to touch on some some headlines for each of these riders. So Chad Weenan, uh, he gets obviously the one-one. He's 16 points up now. Bryce Ford, this was his best overall finish of his career so far, his fifth podium. He came up second overall for the first time. Jeffrey Rostrelli, it's the second podium of the year. He's now tied for third in points. Wesley Wolf, as we just touched on he just missed out on the podium by the slightest of margins he had 36 points on the day to jeffrey's 37 Um, still a good showing for him there joel hatrick damage control he came fifth overall Um, he did salvage Fifth overall in the day, especially with that second and in, in Moto Two there, but um, you got to give him a lot of credit, a lot of heart, a lot of fight for for the way he battled back there to get the best result he could. Michael Allred, unbelievable. He backed it up. He backed up his first Moto impressive performance with a really impressive seventh in in Moto Two. Um, thought that was really impressive. He backed up and legitimized everything he did in Moto One. Proved it wasn't just a fluke. Max in- Linquist, sorry Casey. Um, didn't get the podium before Redbud, but uh, he. I said he still, by
0: Redbud or at Redbud. Didn't oh,
1: I? oh, did you? Okay, so well, he is going to be strong <laughs> at Redbud. There's no doubt about that. But I do think week in and week out, even when the box score doesn't show, you know, show that it was an absolutely stupendous weekend, he still came away with fifth in the second moto, but to be a 17 year old rookie. And I know I've harped on this a little bit, but to be a 17 year old rookie and look the part of a contender in that, that grouping for a podium with those other guys. When you look at the names of the guys that he's racing against that in itself is incredible. And, uh, I still think that there's a good chance we see him on the podium before the season's over.
0: Yeah. I think every, I think I put too much pressure on him. Every time (laughs) I went by, I like point at him. You know, give them the evil eye like, hey, dude, <laughs> we're going to make it happen today. <laughs>
1: Oh geez. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, he's going to be a rider to watch going forward. Um, it was, you know, seventh overall, but I still think like we've said at other times, he was better than that seventh overall really showed. It's just that that pack of guys is so gnarly eighth overall, Brandon Hogue. Um, he was back on the Yamaha Casey. So you got your answer there. He was back on the Yamaha and he had actually, you know, a pretty solid day going. His day was going to look better in the overall until he came in contact with that hay bale and moto Two.
0: Oh, he didn't come in contact with a hay bale. He joined the center of the hay bale. <laughs> oh, my oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, oh geez. Yeah, but he he was riding really well. I, w- I was happy with the way he was riding. He looked really comfortable, even in qualifying. Like, I looked over at Tim. I'm like, did you see that? Like, he's throwing whips down into, you know, the second part of gravity cavity. And yeah, he was just, I could tell it, it should have been a way better day on paper. Couple little mistakes, you know. the The mud always doesn't make things, you know, friendly and is what it is. I mean, Mm -hmm. right now, I think for Brandon, you know, it might sound a little harsh to say the season's a wash, but it's just about getting comfortable on that Yamaha and getting prepared for next year. Because we all know he has the speed and the talent to run up front. And um, I'm looking forward to spending some time with him here in the new near future and and trying to get him to that next level to where. He does do and produce the results that we actually expect from him.
1: Yeah, definitely. He was uh, third fastest in qualifying. He was ripping. Uh, what? What about? I mean, are we on the Yamaha for good now, or, or what's the update there?
0: Yeah, we're not. not we're not doing this stuff anymore. <laughs> like, we got one. We're we're going, and that's what we're gonna do. But who knows with him? He could show up. I told Tony, just don't even bring him to another race. This is what we need, and this is you know, the right direction to go right now, so... Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, um, running down the rest of the list here. Ninth overall was Cody Ford. It was his sixth consecutive top 10 finish, um, longest such streak of his career. And and we touched on already that he was really impressive running top five for most all of Moto one until he kind of suffered some, some hindrances there, but still uh, another good solid ninth overall finish for him. Tenth overall was Logan Stanfield. He's been rock solid all year long. Another top 10 for Logan. Vitek Nikenjak, he was 11th overall. That's the best finish we've seen from him in a while here um i should have kept him on my fantasy team i said i was going to he was originally on my fantasy team the the qualifying might have scared me away and i say this every week and i was going to say it earlier that whether it's fantasy or it's real life or it's if you're a rider or whatever you shouldn't put so much stock in how you qualify but I got scared from the, from the iffy qualifying numbers and I took V off my team, but I should have left him. Um, but it was the, it was the best, was the best finish that we've seen from V in a while. And he just looked like he was riding a little better. Um, so yeah, he was 11th overall, I uh, figure, um, he's gotta be semi happy with that. Like it was a step in the right direction. Uh, 12th overall on the day, Nick Janusa, That DNF in Moto Two that cost him dearly. There, he's 17 points down now. um, You know, from that that uh, that tie for third in points, he overcame a bigger deficit last year, though I will say, um, to get back in the top five. But you know, his back is kind of against the wall now. He's going to have to make hay while the sun shines, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But you definitely don't want to count him out. I think that um, we've already touched on that a little bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, who, oh, Logan Sandville, we kind of blew through there pretty quick on him. Uh, first moto, excellent start. And he was riding in the top five for quite a while, and he just got so much mud in his goggles. He pitched his goggles, and he made a pit stop, and that's actually where his results went backwards. Oh,
1: gotcha. Um, okay.
0: Was okay. with a pit stop. Um, but riding-wise, he was riding really, really well that first moto and the second moto, too.
1: Awesome. Yeah. He's been, uh, he's been, like I said, he's been rock solid all year. He's just such a consummate professional there. Um, okay. 13th overall Vince Merman. Uh, he ended up 13th. That was a I feel like he was up in the mix. I saw him racing hard all day. 14th overall Cesar Jimenez. Um, he had a DNF in moto one. So that hindered his day a little bit there. He's been, uh, a high, a high, uh, pick trend rider all year long and digging deep atv mx fantasy but that dnf and moto one cost him cost a lot of uh, a lot of fantasy teams as well and then 15th overall michael perkins rounding out the the field there um rounding out our our ama tv pro class so guys um as we as we start to finish up here I'm, I'm going to tell you what I'm selling and you can tell me if you're buying it. So Chad Wienan has a 16 point lead at this point, And typically it's too early to say, you know, if so-and-so wins out, then, you know, this'll happen, blah, 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 but we got to do it. So if Joel Hetrick were to win the final six motos, He'd beat Chad by two points if Chad holds serve and gets all seconds. My argument is that we're going to see some incredible racing, especially at Redbud, or until Chad, you know, it can at least win a moto because Chad just needs to win one moto and then you can uh he can get seconds the rest of the way. But as fans, it's going to be can't miss incredible to watch racing these next couple of races because Chad's going to be doing all he can to win, you know, at least one of these motos at some point particularly at Red Bud, his favorite track, and Joel is going to do all he can to stop that from happening. This could shape up to be an epic end of the season. Is anybody buying it?
0: Oh I think we're all buying it's gonna be an epic end of the season. I think it's gonna to be tough for both these guys. You're you're performing at the highest standard, the elite level, whatever you want to call it. I mean We've tried to predict this season so many different ways and how it would go, and we predict this race for this person and this race for this person. It's up in the air. You know, both of these guys are fired up. Chad's obviously on a big high right now, and and Joel's probably madder than a Hornet. So, or he is madder than a Hornet. But, um, yeah, I mean, you have to kind of buy into the storyline because this entire season has been nothing but unpredictable. Mm
1: -hmm. Just the way the board, Ian, the way the board has played out here as fans, this may be, you know, this may be the perfect way that it had to go to make for just incredible, incredible racing. Cause both of these guys, you know, Chad's got to get, you know, got to get one, got to get an overall, got to whatever to put the, the, the ball fully in his court. And Joel needs to do whatever he can to stop it. I just think that the way things have been, and obviously all of us here, you know, we cheer for both of these guys. Um, you know, you guys, um, you know, you've both, you know, kind of been in, in each camp at, at one time or another. So there's nobody, it's not like you're cheering against one guy and for another, but what I'm getting at is I think it's like the, the, the way the board fell, it's going to be so much fun to watch as, as ATV motocross fans.
2: Yeah, from a, a fan standpoint, when when it was going back and forth where Chad goes in one down, one point down last weekend, and now jumping up to 16 points ahead, it's almost like it's – I feel like, yeah, he's got a, a good points lead, but it feels like it's even more stressful when you have that much of a, yes. of a lead, you know, it's than just being one down here the next weekend – Joel's one down. I mean, it's gone back and forth for a couple of weeks, couple of races, rounds like that. We're making red backgrounds for one guy the next week we're <laughs> for the other guy. Right. I mean, and it's been a long time since, since that's happened where we're going back and forth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, per round basically. But I feel like for those guys going in, I mean, they have to treat every moto as a, you know a separate motto and i'm sure i can't imagine the pressure each one of those guys feel let alone yep. the guys behind them fighting for third like you we talked about earlier where mm-hmm. however they come out it's a win for them because they know chad and joel are i mean on a you know elite level not that they aren't by any means it's just they know they're where they're at and yep it's from a fan standpoint it's edge of seat, like all day long, you know, like kid in the candy store.
1: Yeah. So the, the, so coming into Unadilla, so I kind of had prepped for a segment with, uh, talking with Joel before, um, our actually on the last episode and it never came, came about, he ended up, uh, getting a little, little busy for, um, for, for the time that we were going to record there. But I was, I was, so I was like prepared to tell him, okay, so I got to feel like if I'm Joel Hetrick, that, you know I'm feeling great because I have Unadilla, you know this upcoming weekend, Redbud where he's been sleepy good, and then Loretta's and Briarcliff and three, I mean three of those four tracks historically are Joel Hetrick style race tracks. So in my mind I'm like, man, you know Chad's been the best probably he's ever been, but. Man, if Joel does his thing, a lot of Joel racetracks out there now. So going into red bud, you know, he's, he's got a little deficit. Joel does. And, and obviously Chad's, you know, licking his chops on, on red bud, red bud coming up because that's his favorite track. He's great on those conditions. We saw how dominant. He was at, at sunset Ridge, but man, so two of the three left are very much Joel Hattrick style racetracks. And again, Joel has been sleepy good at Redbud. I just think, man, it's going to shape up to be like, can't miss. It's, it's almost like I'm more excited now to see what happens than when they were just going back and forth because the pressure is that much more ramped up on both of these guys.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to find what the points deficit was. Do you remember what the points deficit was leaving Daytona? So Joel, uh, it was about seven it was, points.
1: It, it was about sixteen or eighteen or something like that. So yeah, he, got,
0: he earned six there, and Chad earned twenty-five. Twenty-five.
1: So it was. So nine, it was
0: 19. nineteen points.
1: Yep, I knew it was about and that.
0: And he took over in four rounds. He took over at Georgia, right? Did he? Yeah, he took over. Yeah, at Georgia yeah, he, he did. Yes, he did. Yes. Chad he did. took back over at Sunset. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so yep. I mean. <laughs> the season's been nothing but unpredictable. Again, you know, Joel's Joel's beaten Chad at Redbud before. Chad has obviously been pretty premier at Redbud in the past. Um, so it, it's going to be a toss-up. I mean, we all predicted. I mean, not one of us was going into this weekend going, Chad's going to go out there and go one-one at Unadilla. Mm-hmm. Best-case scenario, they went out and split. So. You know, (laughs) it's incredible, and, you know, history's going to tell, and as a fan of the sport and all the fans that are out there listening to us, you know, you guys should enjoy this because it it hasn't been like this for a long time. I was, when Ian was talking about making red plates and going back and forth, I want to say it was like 2018 was probably the last time we've seen, you know, something similar to this, and then... I think the last time we would have seen something else is before we were doing red plates. It was where the champion would only run the red plate for the whole yep. year. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's pretty cool. Uh, I'm excited to watch it and you know, whatever the outcome is, you know, that's what it was meant to be.
1: Yeah. I can't, can't wait to see it all play out. Can't wait to break it all down. feel like uh, as far as the pro class goes, we exhausted, pretty much everything that we can uh, talk about cover breakdown as far as that stuff goes. So let's quickly uh, move right into the rest of the classes then guys, before we get you out of here, but all, all racing was canceled on Sunday due to off track conditions being impassable for medic teams due to extreme flooding in nearby towns. So no pro-am, no pro stock guys. How bad was the rain um, on Sunday there? How bad were conditions? Did you get out of the track safe and sound? I mean, Kind of tell me, tell me about that a little bit. Cause I was having a hard time picturing all that. Um, it sounded, sounded, I don't know, like it was, had to be sketchy.
2: Yeah. Casey might be able to, to, I, I did come back to the track Sunday morning uh, for just a little bit and, and knowing that it was canceled already. Okay. Um, I just had to pick up my daughter, but I mean, that's actually a facility that, I feel like isn't a bad one to park at Mm -hmm. versus some of the other ones we've gone to like, for the most part, rigs could get out of there fairly easily. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, we got, it rained all night. And from what I heard and what I feel like is South of there, there were some roads that were washed out and even probably the roads around the track in, in, internally around the track the medics couldn't get there. you know side by sides around sure. if there was an issue um I mean it seemed like the track looked okay but you know it's you got to have the medics to be able to get around I yeah. get it I mean of, of
1: course yep. and even
2: talking to Bryce Sunday he's like I don't ever remember a pro-am race getting canceled you know and you know past years they would at least run pro am and maybe amateur classes or
1: whatever the case right. is right that I was in that position a ton of times where we just ran pro am and everybody else was canceled we got to race and nobody else did. So uh yeah you're right but I mean the they obviously made the right decision that they couldn't get yeah. the medics in there um and, and if that was going to be a, an issue. Casey what did you see?
0: Yeah I mean it, it came down to safety and that's what it was. It was about getting the medics to the riders on the track. Yes, we've seen, you know, an impeccable amount of rain happen on Saturday and and the race course got shortened even for the pros and still we held racing. But with the amount of rain that we got overnight and the amount of rain that the surrounding areas got, you're talking about probably double to triple the surrounding areas mm-hmm. got in rain than what we got at the track. It oh, was wow. never like a torrential downpour. You know, we were kind of hanging out under the tents and, you know, just – enjoying the evening in a sense and it was never even like it didn't really ever cross my mind that we weren't racing on sunday i was under full intention and we didn't have nothing packed up nothing ready to go i did come into the weekend knowing with the amount of rain and so i made sure that um i got the cst rig parked into a position to where i was really really close to gravel and if i had to be pulled out it was just going to be a couple foot so i had to go back to my roots of driving. The big trucks it's been a little while and um positioned myself into a spot to where i could but I didn't, I didn't see a lot of people getting stuck so that was cool but yeah as i was leaving heading south you know there was some areas where there was mud and when you know i left it was like 11 30 almost noon and when the medics would have had come to the track coming from the south they were going to have to come through there about 6 30. Mm-hmm. To get up to the track, and that was before the road crews got out and and cleared debris of the roads. I've seen some trees down that washed off the side of some ledges, um, so I think overall, I mean, no one wants to make that call and did not even have pro am run, or pro stock. You know, we've seen it in the past. I I have seen one year, I can't remember when it was, but where they didn't run a pro am because it was just, I mean, the track wasn't passable. Now this track itself, I think it was passable. They could have raced on that racetrack, but they couldn't have the proper personnel personnel there to do it. But even when I pulled out at 1130, it was still raining. So who, who really wanted to go out there and tear your stuff up? Yeah. If you had a bad day on Saturday and you went out and won on Sunday, it wasn't going to make any change. Mm-hmm. So you either use it as your drop. If you had a good day on Saturday, then you walk away and be happy.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah the right decision was obviously made safety first um, so as we touch on the the racing that did happen on Saturday for the amateurs anybody that stood out we saw Andrea Berger who won the WMX class and grab a hold of the the you know the driver's seat and her title defense there Stoked for her we're gonna dig a little deeper uh, into that in our final segment of the show here um, Joseph Chambers won pro sport followed by Blair Miller and Chad yarder um, Casey do you have any other guys that impressed you um, obviously, I am leaving uh leaving you in charge of kind of covering some of the amateur stuff so who stood out to you
0: um I mean I have Chad Yarder he's another New England ATV guy than any ATV you know there was a few other guys you know from up there Chad rode really well um I think it's been a little bit since he's raced the national and he's put a lot of effort into his program this year and he's one of the top you know I think they call it an A class or a pro class up there but um he's one of the top guys up there so he proved that you know there is some serious speed that come out of there um Lillian Plaza she um she's impressive in the sense of just her determination I mean she's winning she's doing very good in some of the boys classes and she actually has a collarbone injury right now so for her age riding through that grit um I think that's impressive to me which, I mean, we know where she gets her grit from her dad. <laughs> right. Um, you know, Kinsey Osborne, Maddie Trower, Shelby Shimon. Shelby Simone raced the 15-plus girls class for the first time this weekend, finished fifth overall. Nice. I think that was impressive for her. Uh, Tino Abatello, another one. You know, he won 450B. And then – one that stands out, and I think I actually mentioned this rider last weekend, but he continues to impress me, not just on the track, but off the track also, is uh, Styles West. Um, I want to say he's like 10, 11 years old. I've never actually went as far to ask him how old he was. <laughs> okay. I talked to his parents here and there, just good kid. But his personality and the maturity and I'd say his intelligence of racecraft wise and stuff, you can actually hold a conversation with that kid like an adult, like if you do an amateur segment, I know we do a lot of pro stuff. If you ever do bring on an amateur rider, like a youth rider, mm-hmm. he will blow your mind on this show. I know. I'm I've am i talked, him talked yeah, to him a little bit.
1: Yeah. He's incredible. He, he's such a good little racer. It's amazing. Yeah. You see the classes he's racing and see how young he is. Like when you see the actual age, you know, age bracket that those classes are, you can't believe that he's that young.
0: Yeah. He's on the Southern side of the age group there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's some, but I'm forgetting, but I, I did jot down a few names there. But, yeah, I mean, overall, you know, pretty decent weekend. I'm um, excited that we got to go back to Unadilla as much as it's not one of my favorite tracks. But um, it's still an experience every time we go up there. And, you know, the hospitality that we get from the crew, you know, and the owners there, you know, hats off to them. It's, it's a tough job, you know, when, whenever you bring, you know, 1,000, 1,500 people into your facility.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ian. What about you? Did anybody stand out to you in the amateur classes on Saturday?
2: You know that uh, 250 mod class. I think it was. um, I, I stood there and watched those guys race, and and that Mason Jackson kid. He was he was flat out flying. Him and Noah Arnold were both just. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were ripping for sure. Um, impressive on them on them 250s. They'd come by that mechanics area, and it was all those bikes had just all the way wide open yeah Yeah.
1: those those 250 classes have been amazing i know that casey and i have talked about them a few times at least at least we have on the show here where um those 250 classes not only are the numbers incredible i mean you got to qualify in and there's at one of the races there was 20 dudes in the in the lcq there was there was literally a whole gates worth of guys not making the main event um not making the second moto but then um the 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 quality of the riders there like that's a little A class a little pro am class it's amazing how fast some of those kids are going
2: yeah yeah definitely it's it's impressive for sure to to watch it and to think what it's going to be like when they jump on a big bike it's,
1: it's yeah, exactly I think you've seen that with the Abbotts yellow kid you know he's making waves right away in the in the the B he classes and, and stuff like that Ian
0: Juka the same thing yes. I mean yep. watching Ian ride and both of those two are probably the bigger kids of the 250 class so they're fitting really well on the 450 probably more at home almost Mm -hmm. but I mean both of the results in the 250 classes are great too Mm -hmm. so it's that 250 class is a a standalone you know breed of its own right Mm -hmm. now the Mm -hmm. kids are flying I mean you can literally just go down the list and they can win you know Mason's Mason's incredible. I want to say I talked to Ron and he did clock up one championship there and he still has a chance at um, the two other classes. You know, know, we still have a lot of racing left this year. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Mason could end up being a pretty good candidate for youth rider of the year, which I think, you know, would be very deserving.
1: I'm sure I think that we've seen now in the last couple of years how these riders that have spent you know their their 250 careers on those 250s, because going to the era previous to that, you know, the 250 was like this new entity. Now with the 250, these riders are getting used to these bigger, you know, bigger chassis or whatever. So either you're on a hybrid chassis or you're on a TRX chassis with a you know a conversion kit or whatever in it. But I think that you're seeing these riders um, be able to hit the ground running when they get to these big bikes right away, because those two fifties are, are mini four fifties, right? Especially with the power to weight ratio. So you're obviously seeing those two fifties, how incredible those two fifties are and how, you know, great the racing is that they're, that they're really cutting their teeth racing against other really good riders, but that's going to continue to prompt really good performances by some of these kids, right. As they get on four fifties. I mean, we're seeing that now. And then as you guys touched on going forward, forward it's going to just create that much more talent that much more great racing and it's going to continue to we're we're going to continue to see some of these kids prosper right away in these fast classes b class a class you're seeing some of these kids you know get up in pro sport and pro am and uh, we're going to continue to see that i think it's a great thing for the the talent of this sport right now it's just uh really is incredible we're going to see a lot more of it too
0: yeah i think we're witnessing that with you know jj Launderville. which obviously, you know, he's hurt. But then Dane Molander, you know, they jumped right into the 450 classes and they're killing it. So I think we shouldn't and won't expect anything different from Mason Jackson. You know, I think Noah, he's got plenty of more years in the 250 class. He's probably one of the youngest guys out there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that, you know, Ian Juka, Tino, these guys that are all coming into the 450 classes, I'd imagine some of them are moving up next year. Some of them might have another year in the 250 class, but um, the future's bright, and I think that's the happiest part of that it makes me, and knowing that there's 20 guys in the LCQ, I'm not happy that any single one of them had to go home, but I hope if they did have to go home and didn't get to race their second moto, it fired them up to come back to the next one and even do better.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you touched on some of the names I was thinking with JJ Launderville and Dane Moland or some of those guys that um, were really good on 250s became really good 450 riders right away. Um, finishing up here looking forward to Redbud then. Uh, how are we feeling about some of the riders um, that you guys think that, you know, you need to focus on need to watch as we get back to Sandy and in rough conditions at Redbud Max Lindquist anyone case you want an extension does Max Lindquist get his first podium there at Redbud.
0: You know, there's a good chance, but I'm not going to jinx him. So I'm going to say he doesn't and see if he proves me
1: wrong. Okay. So, so who would you say, um, who should, who, who do you think, who do you think uh, people should uh, keep their eye on? What rider should people be watching as we, as we look to Redbud?
0: So who do you want me to jinx? (laughs) Uh, I know. I think Max is going to be tough there for sure. Um, I think Brandon Hogue has a point to prove and you know, the battle with that third position, Jeffrey, Janusa, Bryce Ford, those guys are all going to be. I mean, it, it's so stereotypical of me and what I'm saying right <laughs> now, but honestly, just watch those guys go at it. Um, going into uh amateur side, you know, the WMX classes. Is really good right now. You know, Neve and Andrea split motos the last time that we were on a hard pack, like real hard pack track. Well, I take that back. Pleasure Valley was really hard packed, but High Point didn't go in Neve's favor. It went to Andrea. Then we, you know, Pleasure Valley went into Neve's favor, but Texas was in Neve's favor. So these two are going back and forth. They swapped motos at Unadilla. Going back to the sand, I think it could lend its hand to neve in one hand but at the same time this is probably one of the closest races to andrea so i think that's going to be one to be on the fences for Mm -hmm. and both of them you know i think they share a lot of respect with each other and you know neither one of them are happy to lose right now so that's going to be a good one to, to watch
1: guys i wanted to get one more guest in here while we're on this topic josh what's up man good evening how's it going not too bad. We're talking to Josh Klein from PH3 Photos. Josh is brought to you by Gripped Gloves, gloves with cool colors and designs designed by racers for racers and reasonably priced. Check them out today at griptgloves.com and use discount code digging 10 to save at checkout. Josh listeners really enjoyed you the last time we had you on. That's when you came in hot by saying that back-to-back reigning and defending WMX national champion, Andrea Berger would be upset on her way to the three-peat. And I will say, Josh, it was um, probably tighter. It probably has been tighter than I anticipated. It's been tighter than the previous two seasons. That's for sure. So I will give you some credit, but I still don't think you're going to win this bet, pal.
6: You know, the season ain't done yet, and (laughs) even at the last track, if I remember correctly, it still was a split, Andrea went 2-1, Neem went 1-2, so Mm -hmm. still Mm 50-50, still there, she ain't going nowhere.
1: Yeah. So I, I presented this info on our social media platforms before the weekend that it was a huge swing race for these two um, yeah. because I wanted the, wanted the viewers to kind of know the significance of, of that race there at Unadilla. If Shaw could go back to back, get back to back wins there this thing was going to be deadlocked with three events to go. But if Andrea could grab her fourth win of the season, then she would have the four wins to, to two wins advantage there. And it looked like a, another nail biter in New York. So you kind of teased it two one one two. tell us a little bit more about that racing there. Um, I know that Shaw won the first moto, Andrea won the second one. Give us a little more info on that.
6: Yeah. The, uh, the WMX class has definitely been, uh, uh, shaken up. I mean, you can you can go back to earlier in the year um, where I almost had to second guess okay what was really gonna happen. Madison Trower comes out, guns blazing and absolutely like turned heads.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, and and to really like lock in that there might be three way battle, you know, um she's shown she's shown that she can she can battle with them and she's led laps in front of both Andrea and Neem. Mm-hmm. but this weekend uh you know she came out and she pulled a hole shot in one of the women's motos and uh she came out strong but again you you go back and you've got Andrea and and Neem you know they battled um Madison I don't know if it was the first moto or the second um she actually was between Andrea and Neem and I think kind of you know played played the block for a little while to to hold off a charging neem but you know, when it came down to it, it was, you know, it was down to the down and crossing the line. It was less than two bikes, I think between Andrea and Neem for both motos. Mm -hmm. They just, they battled hard all day long and yeah, the way it is.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it obviously makes for good viewership for the good, good, uh, good, you know, entertainment for the fans. Um, and, and yeah, I think that we should touch on Madison Trower there because she's been really impressive. She's obviously stepped up as the kind of the weekend week out third best, uh, lady there in the, in the WMX class. So Andrea grabs her fourth win of the season and Shaw Shaw's back, um, is up, is squarely up against the proverbial wall at this point she may very well have to win out to win this title. It's very much like the, like the, the, the pro men's class right now, the AMA to be pro class where Shaw, you know, two wins. If, if Andrea, if everybody holds serve and Andrea were to get second, that just ties it. So then that last race would be the tiebreaker. She basically has to win out. I know if we were to ask her, she would tell us that, you know, you have to take it one weekend at a time. That's obviously what every athlete knows you have to do. Um, I found myself in that position before, where you got to have your back up against the wall, and it's like you almost have to go to that spot in your mind, go to that spot in your competitiveness, where you're just not going to be denied. Do you think that's what we'll see from from Shaw going forward? Because Andrea's good at Red Bud. That's a track that's up here in her home territory. You know, being from Wisconsin like I am, she's going to be tough to beat there. I feel like she's probably that's, you know, she's good in those conditions where it's real rough and gnarly. Like that's where Andrea's good. But again, Shaw has impressed me all season long at the beginning of the year, when you kind of came in here and told us that it was going to be tight, told us that Andrea was possibly, you know, going to be on upset alert. I didn't, I, I mean, I didn't really put a ton of stock in that. I know now again, I've, and I don't know, I don't know that I've said this in this session here in this segment, but Shaw is a past champion. Correct. Shaw had one before Andrea got in here. So they're both past champions. Um, and they've they've made it this year look like uh, like a gnarly battle. I give Shaw a bunch of credit because she really stepped up her game, but she's going to have to step it up again if she's going to win out the end of the season and grab another title.
6: Yeah. And if, if I remember correctly, and I mean, I give her credit where credit's due, she's definitely put in the time. And I think her and Casey working together, I believe it was Sunset where they finally – I think got to the point where just tell me what's wrong. Tell me what's going on and let's make it right. And watch adjustments that they make um, from one motor to the next. They're starting to click. And I will say that uh, they will split again at Redbud, but yeah. in fashion. I think Andrea will go one, two. Neem will go two, one. I just, if she sweeps, hey, power to her. Mm-hmm. Andrea, yep, it's a home track. I would say home track-ish for her. Um, but you know, I, could there be an upset in the middle too? Sure. I mean, if Madison goes out there and pulls another hole shot and pull the power like she did, and it's unfortunate because, you know, right now she sits 35 points back and she had a 10th place finish, um, last round, but yet comes back for a third, this round her, you know, the engine failure at the last round, unfortunately was, was the reason for that 10th place there. Otherwise she'd be close, you know?
1: I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if they get a a throwout. Do they get a throwout in WMX? I don't know that info.
6: Uh, that I don't know, honestly, either.
1: So we're going to have to look into that because that if would, if it does,
6: that shakes it up a little more.
1: Well, that would obviously put her closer to the fight there at the, at the front yep. of the pack. Um, I will say, Josh, I like the position I'm in. I'll just leave it at that. I like the position that Andrea and I are in. Um, and, and and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, honestly, I felt all season long. I hope that the Shaw family doesn't think that I'm like against them. Cause that's not the case at all. My alliance to, um, to the Berger family. I've, I, again, I've said this before, but I raced her dad, you know, when I was first getting into the A class locally, when I was in like eighth grade. Right. So, um, I go, I go back with that family before I feel like she was even racing or or racing competitively at least. So, um, again, I like the position I'm in, but Josh, I I don't want to bring you on here just to tell you that, you know, I was (laughs) right. And you were wrong. I also don't want to jump the gun.
6: right? I don't want (laughs) to jump
1: the gun and look dumb either. But, um, do you have anything else you want to discuss while we have you? Uh, I've been wanting to bring you on for a a while here to talk about this because it's been fun banter back and forth, but anything else that you want to touch on? You always come with, uh, you come locked and loaded with some hot takes and opinions. So what you got for us today?
6: Um, you know, with, again, with the, with the WMX, um, I received word today that, uh, they're going to be doing, uh, an autograph session at, uh, Briarcliff, the last round um, I talked with uh, Jeremy, um, and they're going to do have the women for an autograph session, which I think is great. Um, it's great exposure. Um, you know, you got some of the younger riders, um, youth riders, um, that can look up to these, these pro women, you know, they're, that's their class. The pro women is their class. That's the top of the food chain. You know, they give these younger girls, you know, someone to look up to, someone to, you know, Aspire to be, you know, um,
1: exactly. Um, I don't want to be
6: there and, and handle things, they can get their autographs too. You know, everybody wants to hang a Joel or a Chad poster or a Wesley poster or a, a Ford poster in their room.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: The girls need to be treated the same way. You've mm-hmm. got girls that are coming up, um, Natalie Jackson, for example, uh, Kaylin Osborne, they're going to be coming up to the WMX, and in the next, I feel two, three years, the WMX class is going to be a top five push class, um, but you've also got to look at the younger ones too, that, okay, what are they going to push to become down the road? And, and the youth is the future of the sport. I mean, we can say it till we're blue in the face, but until we, you know, highlight the classes that need to be, uh, and, you know, push those classes like you and I both do, um, and, you know, it just, it's where it is because we need to push it, and I think that is a great step in the right direction.
1: Yeah. A couple of things to touch on there. So, um, I do think that they deserve, uh, credit exposure to be showcased. I have always felt that, um, you know, there, that's the pinnacle, that's the pinnacle for them. Now we can compare it somewhat to, to pro two wheeled female motorcycles, dirt bikes, um, because in the past they raced on pro day at the nationals. They, they were like the, the halftime show type thing at the, at the national events and they dissolved that and they no longer got to do that to race on pro day. And Mm -hmm. I think the involvement of female motorcycle racers, motocross racers went down. Uh, over yeah, over time because they had no big carrot out in front of them anymore. It was like, okay, right. we're chasing this dream, but at the top of the mountain, there's nothing there. You know, all yeah. that was left for them to do was either go race with the guys. And you see some of that, you see a couple racers that are trying to chase the pro motocross supercross thing, but that being a top woman just wasn't, you know, other than going to Loretta's or other mm-hmm. amateur nationals, that was their That, that was all that they could do. There was no series for them anymore in, in ATB motocross, we have the WMX class, but we, we do have to give it the coverage that it needs so that, you know, that those little girls and those riders feel like being at the top of the WMX class is special and it's not just another class. So I feel like, well, I I think the other, the other factor too, is. I don't see it as, you know, I mean, and I know you didn't
6: say it this way to mean it one way, but a halftime show, if, if you treat it as a halftime show, it becomes simply entertainment. It doesn't become a focus factor. And there is a difference between the two. If you view it as, you know, a halftime or a spot filler, you get spot filler people. If you hire, if you want to highlight the WMX, you put them the moto before the men and give the people that are coming to the main stage to watch the men, which are the main show, don't get me wrong, but if you want them women to be highlighted, you put them the moto before and run them on the same time schedule. Mm-hmm. You, them, you know, they get either the horn. They know that, okay, boom, it's our time to go. The men are going to follow right behind us.
1: Mm-hmm. And they did that before they did that on the women. Gosh. Yep. They did that. They did that before they got away from that, you know, that, template, that cycle, that process, but I think you're right. And, and, and I'm glad you said that because I didn't mean it like a halftime show and I right. didn't mean it as a filler, but at pro motor motorcycle races, motocross races, pro motocross two wheeled racing, they do need that time filler, right? Like there's yes. stuff that goes on with the, with the, with the television or whatever, like yep. that, was that was the way that some of that worked, but I do yeah. that with the kids. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Right. But, um, I do think that, Uh, this is a step in the right direction to give some of those girls the credit and exposure and showcasing that they deserve. It comes very, comes very natural, uh, to me, at least like, um, in the role that I've, you know, found myself in now with digging deep, you just want to see good racing. You want to see good stories. You want to see, like I said, good, good competitive racing, interesting stuff. And that's mm-hmm. what this has been. It's been good racing. It's been better racing in the WMX class of this year than we've seen in a lot of years. And the talent is increasing. And like you said, there's more talent coming and all these things. And then to have a segment like this, almost dedicated just to the WMX class and, and, the, and you know, women's racing in general, like that makes me proud. But I also like, it wasn't designed this way. You know, you had a hot take. Uh, we needed to talk about it. I wanted to bring you back on to talk about it and it's made all this uh, con good content for the sport for these women and everything else that they're killing it. And uh, you know, it, it's fun to just bring some of this exposure to them. And it's very natural. Like I said.
6: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think it, I think uh, with, with the continued support for the women's class, I, I see it growing mm-hmm. and, you know, would I love to see it back to the way it was? Absolutely. It's, mm-hmm. I think a matter of the, t- the time, the exposure, and give credit to Andrea too. Uh, you know, her and Neem both working hard to, to promote the, the women's class and exactly moves to make it better.
1: Yep, exactly. Um, they both, I think, have taken on the role of kind of being figureheads for that, being advocates for yep. trying to grow the class, which it takes riders like them with that ability and that uh desire to do such a thing so the series is lucky to have those two those two girls to you know push to grow the sport and it is growing it is really growing i think the the female involvement is growing i think those classes you're seeing them get big bigger and better and you're obviously seeing them get more competitive so um i think it's it's happening right in front of our eyes yep absolutely what else you got, Josh? You got any other topics? Any any predictions? Something um, like so that. So
6: you me- you mentioned you know the bike side of things, and I know you're a big you know Supercross fan and, and, and outdoor fan. Mm-hmm. Is your take on Caleb Russell hanging it up mid season?
1: Well, from what I heard, there was there was corporate pressure um, coming from Factory KTM from you know from Europe. Uh, wondering why he was doing so poorly, and probably all the funding and everything going into all of that. Now, we uh, as as ATV people kind of have a connection to Caleb Russell because obviously he's a legendary GNCC guy. But our series is owned by by that family, um, you know, by the MX Sports family there, the the West Virginia crew. So yep. we do have a connection to to Caleb Russell. I don't have too much of a I don't have too much of a take on that, to be honest with you, because I'm not a not a cross country guy. I just don't. I've just never really followed it. I think it's badass. I think it's cool. I've just never followed it real tight. So I know he's yeah. a legend. Um, I, I was very much following the story at the beginning of the season because I thought I just like to throw in those wild cards. I think it is very interesting when that happens to throw in those wild cards and see what's going to happen in the series but he had that gnarly wreck kind of in the preseason and missed the first couple of races wasn't prepared and then I think was kind of trying to race him in himself into shape so I don't think that it was much of a, a probably an honest effort I mean I'm sure he was trying but it was not like he was fully prepared because there was rumors going around out there that he was really really flying before that big injury. So it's a yeah. shame that it's a shame that, that happened. Uh you hate to see series go, whether it's, you know, ATV motocross, ATV racing of any kind, two-wheeled stuff, whatever, um, or or stick and ball sports, honestly. The more stars that the sport loses, the less, the less intrigue and excitement is there. So not that the average fan, um, probably wouldn't even notice that Caleb Russell is going to be gone from the pro motocross races the rest of the summer. But as a super fan, like a lot of people are to see that story end, um, is a shame because what's going to happen here is because he got, you know, he, he was right up front at Unadilla years ago and um, you know, was pressuring, you know, for, for win and, and podium spots as a, as a, you know, one-off kind of fill-in rider at Unadilla. And if we have a mud race here at the end of the year, um, it, it would have been really fun to see Caleb Russell out there because he would have been right at the front of the pack and dicing it up with those guys. So that's the shame I, I, I am bummed that we never saw that, but, uh, you just got about as much info on <laughs> Caleb Russell and, and yeah. hanging up well, his motocross he's... boots that than I even thought I had in me because I, I wouldn't have thought I had any kind of opinion on that, to be honest. Yeah. With you. I, I that... didn't know we were going there.
6: That was uh, 2018 and mm-hmm. that was that was um, he uh, and prior to this year he went to Decoster and said that he wanted to pursue you know this year you know mm-hmm. on on his own that was his own thing it wasn't something you know and he just felt like that everything was you know being pushed on him like he was a factory rider mm-hmm. and he went out there he wanted to do it on him and he just felt that the pressure was. Too demanding that they wanted more out of him, considering he was just coming from the cross country to the bikes to mm-hmm. the cross and then handling things. And you know, yeah, the broken jaw definitely played a factor in it. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a professional regardless, but oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's a different. It's not like you're going out into the woods and running through trees, you know, like you know, mm-hmm. done for you know seven championships. But you know, you go out yep. to the, the track and you're you're banging bars. It's a little different, and R- right. Yeah, obviously I don't know if he was a hundred percent committed prior going in. Mm-hmm. I definitely think he gave it. I mean, he's not gonna lay up, but uh
1: no. So so the last thing I'll say on that is now we don't obviously know the details of how all this went down here at the end, but I hope it wasn't a KTM pressure thing because being the however many time you know champion that he was in cross country, absolutely legendary. Um you know with all the bikes that he probably sold for them over the years the whatever they're you know whatever money they're putting into the program for him to race that 250f each weekend um should have been pocket change in comparison to all the profit that he would have created for them over the years winning on those bikes so i hope that you know maybe he chose to walk away maybe he wasn't 100% didn't wasn't doing as well as he expected it didn't go the way he expected but yep. I hope that it wasn't uh KTM kind of, you know, pressuring him to. Yeah. He released a video
6: and he, and I, I, I was surprised to see it. He released a video on his own a hundred percent before, you know, it's mainstream. And he said, I've got a camera. Here's, here's the, the, the facts and he laid it out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: So it's, okay. it's an interesting video. You have to check it out. If you haven't seen it, it's yeah. uh yeah it's, it's good. So it definitely gives you a writer's perspective without mm-hmm the cloud of the overhang of you have to say this, you know, and that is a hundred percent. Right. And I, I think in the ATV community, I think there's a lot of that as well. And I'm a, i am I would personally like to see a lot more of that. Um, you see some of the, the bikes and stuff like that. They're hundred percent blunt, honest. Yeah. Some of them are corporate honest where they're still a little gun shy of what they want to say, but I like to see riders that are hundred percent. Tell me the facts. This is the deal. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Be real. We want to hear real. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And these guys here, um, you know, there's not many of us that have big enough sponsors to where it's going to matter if you're real with us or not. So you might as well be real. Right. But, um, let's look forward then a little bit, Josh, before we get out of here, red buds, this, this, uh, next round, this upcoming weekend, uh, favorite track for so many of us, your old stomping grounds, really, it's really where the whole ATV motocross journey started for you. So I'm sure you're excited to get back there. Um, like I said earlier, you come in with hot takes and opinions and stuff often, who give me some, somebody that's going to surprise us amateur pro who knows, but who somebody that's going to surprise us when we get to get to Redbud? I think there's a lot of, a lot of uh, candidates as I propose that question. So what do you think when I ask you that?
6: I'm going to swing for the fence and say, Max Lindquist makes the box.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that that might be an opinion that um, I think a lot of people might have in the back of their mind. I think that that's something that we've been monitoring all year, right? Like Casey said that, uh, Redbud was going to be a candidate for that to happen for Max Lindquist. So he was thinking yeah. the hot take was going to be having it happen before that. But I, I agree. Um, that's, yeah. def- that's definitely on my radar for Redbud.
6: And the the, the big stick to it is um, after the unfortunate, you know, with with Nick Janusa this past round and, you know, the, the mechanical there,
1: mm-hmm.
6: he is going to have to work to get around Nick Janusa wherever they stack up. Nick Janusa is going to fight tooth and nail to let anyone buy him if he's in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at overall points, you know, it's so tight all the way across the board, you know, just it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a dog fight the rest of the way out. We know that, but I think Nick's got a little extra fire into him after this last round, because I think it just, he was very visually frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could see him almost feel as though as he was just depleted, just sitting on the quad. You could see it in the picture um, of him sitting on the quad and just, he left his helmet on. He did. He got off the quad originally and walked over to the fence just to, to catch his breath. And then he went back and sat on the quad and you could just see just the emotion, the, not necessarily the, the disappointment and frustration, but just Nick, just sitting there mm-hmm. I think at Red Bud, He's going to find another gear. He's going to become an aggressive rider, you know, more so than he is. And I think he just wants it. He's podiumed there before. Um, he knows the track, he can ride the track. And if he pulls a good start, don't look for him to give it up easy.
1: Well, I think that, you know, I think that he may very well be now. I I do think that max is going to have a good chance to get on the box. There's best chance of the year, maybe, but I think Nick probably goes in as the favorite for that third spot there, just because like you said, that's, that's the place where he got his first career podium. I just think of some of those nasty, you know, Sandy tracks where Nick Janusa is good. He uses his fitness to his advantage. And I I do feel like um, that's a track. That's a lot like the track that he rides back home as far as dirt makeup and stuff like that. So it's going to be, very fun to watch. We obviously spent this episode talking a lot about this stuff. Um, it's going to be really interesting in some ways, the points and that whole battle, especially in tier two there with those riders became clearer at Unadilla and after mm-hmm. Unadilla in other ways, it kind of muddled itself up just a little bit more because it's just doing this seesaw thing. I feel like with riders, well, you know, a couple of riders. Now we got a tie yeah, right. We got a
6: tie with Rastrelli and Bryce.
1: Well, and, and but there was there was four or five guys that were real, right. cool You know, going into some of these races. Now, you know, we see that tie up at the top then there's a little gap back to Wesley and a little gap back to Janusa and a little gap back to, you know, Max and Brandon. And it's like, uh, you know, more of a gap than it had been. So those guys are going to have to make, Hey, well, the sun shines, those guys up front. I mean, it's going to be a consistency thing. Obviously those guys are going to have to be on edge, um, and riding on the edge, but it's a consistency thing too, because at this point you're going to need to be consistent to, um, to be able to, to be the guy that's going to stand out. And that's the, that's the battle that all year has been probably the funnest to monitor. I mean, we spend a lot of time on these shows talking about who's going to be that, that, you know, that podium guy or the top, you know, tier two rider and digging deep A T BMX fantasy. It's been a, a lot of fun. And like I said, on one of the posts today, the, the battle, the war is just beginning. Um, the war is just beginning the, these last three, three events, it's going to be must see, it's going to be must well, see, um, television.
6: And l- like you say, with the consistency factor, you've got, you know, Jeffrey going in, you know, let's say, uh, to do, um, one, two, three, four, five rounds back, fifth, third, fifth, fourth, third Bryce is above them with a six, five, nine, three, two. Mm-hmm. If Bryce puts together another solid weekend, he, you know, it's going to be that consistent factor, but if he goes out and, and puts in an honest effort, I think Jeffrey's honest effort is going to match him. And, you know, could we see a tie coming out, you know, in another direction possibly, but it's, you know, that's, I see Jeffrey right now. He is as a little bit more consistent than Bryce. So with Bryce's speed, you know, he, Jeffrey's consistently coming up the field. So that is I think that's just as good of a battle as what Joel and Chad have at the top. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah I mean uh, Bryce is as hot as as he's been all season right now. Jeffrey is getting hotter every weekend. Wesley you could argue has been just as as consistent or more consistent as anybody. You know, obviously we know Janusa, he's been fourth or fifth in every championship. I think he probably felt more than anybody that he was the guy that should step into that third place role. And you could argue, I mean, at times he's, he's very much been the best he's been all season. It's just things like this weekend with the you know, with having a DNF suffering that or or a bad start here or there, that's hindered him a little bit, but he's been the, the best he's been. in some of these races we've seen this season, Max Lindquist, obviously we think he's on the precipice. I mean, a lot of times the, a lot of times the box score isn't even showing how good he is. Just the fact that he's a 17 year old rookie and he's looking the part battling with those other guys is wild to me. And, and then obviously Brandon, as we complete the tier two pack there, Brandon is capable of anything. I mean, you could, you could have told me that he went three, three this past weekend and it wouldn't have surprised me at all. But then this, you know, this pack is so gnarly. Obviously we know he had some, um, you know, a little difficulty there in the second moto that obviously hindered him in the, in the box score. But, um, you know, it's like any of those guys, you could tell me that they got third or they got eighth and it's almost that tight, that pack is so tight and so competitive and so gnarly that it's not a surprise. And as fans, that's amazing. That's what's it's going to make it so fun down the stretch here to see all that play out.
6: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Most definitely. Awesome, man. We're going to wrap on that note. Uh, you got me all revved up for Redbud. So I'm really looking forward to it. And Josh, I just want to thank you for jumping on here with us. Um, want to obviously thank you for, for allowing us to use your pictures for some of our posts and stuff like that. Obviously that's an integral thing for what we do and just keep up all the great work at PH3. We'll see at Redbud, but I can't thank you enough for coming on here and for everything else you do to support what we're doing.
6: No problem. I appreciate the invite and uh, we'll see you
1: at Red Bull. Yes, sir. I was going to ask you to scream one out. That's PH3 <laughs> photos, Josh Klein brought to you by Gripped Gloves. Use discount code diggingdeep10 at griptgloves.com today. Thanks again, Josh. We'll see you soon. Take care. Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC has been supplying riders with aftermarket components from the industry's top brands for over a decade. With over 80,000 products in stock for your ATVs, UTVs, metric, and HD motorcycles, dirt bikes, and snowmobiles, Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC can tend to all your power sports needs from hard parts to riding gear. Bike Strikes and Quads also offers hard-to-find used parts for your vintage dirt bike, ATV, three-wheeler, or snowmobile. Use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for 10% off of orders of $100 or more. We're grateful to have Bike Strikes and Quads LLC digging deep with us. Thank you, BTQ LLC. We are proud to be partnered with Gripped Gloves. Gripped is an ATV rider-owned and operated brand with a rider in mind and the goal of keeping costs affordable. The Michigan-based family operation recognizes riders' desire to showcase their identity. Owner David Payne's love for eccentric colorways and crazy patterns shows in his product something not often found in the work of big manufacturers. Here to push stereotypes and limitations, Grip's drive is to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. With comfort and quality as key motivators, the Family Affair is constantly working on the next more innovative and improved glove. Get a grip on life, join the Gripped movement, because no one wants a bland glove. Check them out today at grippedgloves.com, that's G-R-I-P-T-Gloves.com, and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. Just like the sport of ATV Motocross as a whole, our Digging Deep community is brought together by the love for racing that we all share. Our sport is compiled of many great people and leaving that charge is the Launderville family at Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. This racing owned family business is a steel and concrete supplier serving the entire United States. Launderville Steel is a full service steel supplier of new and surplus steel, aluminum, and stainless steel products headlined by the 4130 chromoly tubing and plate used in the building of chassis for ATVs and UTVs, off-road truck racing, late model dirt and pro tractor pulling series, drag racing, and more. Launderville Steel loves their racing just as much as we do, but don't forget about their concrete division as well. With over 25 years of experience, the concrete division can supply everything you need to complete your next business or personal project. Their central Midwest location enables LSE to easily serve customers across the United States. For a quote, Additional info, answers to more of your questions, or to talk a little racing, head over to LaundervilleSteel.com or give them a call today. We are proud to be partnered with yet another racer-owned company. Thank you, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. Thanks for listening, and remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. Ian, what about you? Do you have any riders that that you think people should keep an eye on as we look to Redbud here?
2: Well, if that track gets anything like it was last year, it was brutal on Saturday and I, I don't know if they just tilled it deep or what the deal was but I mean Wesley did good in in sunset on that Wesley track did. that was a weird track this year you know it was hard packed it wasn't super deep but it was rough and I mean you've seen how he finished just this past weekend so I, I would that he should do well there uh, Janusa should do well. I mean, really, any of those guys in that whole three, four, five, six, seven, those guys, whoever's running there in that group between Hogue and Janusa, Ford, any you know, both Fords, however, they stack out right through there. I mean, it's been they've been just neck and neck. It's crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been so tidy. And so I think, you know, some of the guys that come to mind for me and, and so much of that has to do with starts and stuff. Right. But yeah. we also have seen at times, you know, we've seen some of those guys, that's when they seem to really impress is when they go from kind of the back of that tier two group. So outside the top five, closer to seventh or eighth and are able to get up through that pack. I mean, that's when you really like are drawn to that guy. Like you know, maybe the box store doesn't show how impressive it was, but they actually just passed those guys. We've, I know we've been on some of these shows talking about that. So I think, you know, Max Lindquist that I have close track to him. I think those are the conditions where he's probably at his best. Um, you know, we saw him, you know, really ride well at sunset Ridge. It was almost like he was positioning himself for a podium. So I think we could very well see, um, you know, Casey, what he's been teasing all year, kind of come to fruition here. I think Nick Janus is another guy. I mean, obviously he's going to be fired up. Obviously he's going to want to right some wrongs. He got his first uh, podium of his pro career there. So I think those conditions too. I mean, those conditions are similar to like what he rides and practices on back home. So I think that that's another guy to watch. And then, you know, as we look to the amateur classes, you know, a name comes to mind for me, maybe Ian Harris, Ian Harris. Will you you be racing at Redbud too?
2: Oh yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to throw the, the boots on and (laughs) another world <laughs> every
1: every year comes out of retirement you know for for <laughs> walnut and, and redbud and looks like he never misses a beat ian harris uh. um so yeah i can't I can't wait i mean redbud is is you know, my favorite race of the year. I think it's a favorite race for so many of us. And obviously uh, tracks amazing, but it seems to prompt some really great racing too. So, um, can't, can't look, can't look forward to going to Redbutt any more than I already am, especially after breaking all this down with you guys. And if you guys don't have anything else, I think, uh, we, we can wrap on that. Cause we basically broke down everything we could. We talked about everything we could, we covered everything we could, and now we just got to start counting down the minutes to Redbud. I think it's going to be epic.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for uh, continuing to have me on. And like I always say, you know, I, the fans they are I'm getting some like more people kind of reaching out. And so I think that's kind of cool to get some feedback. I know you probably get three times what I see. But just, you know, I, I enjoy it and to know that the people actually somewhat care most of the time what we're saying <laughs> I, I think it's good. So I appreciate you having me and uh, until next time, we'll see you boys later.
1: I appreciate you doing it, Casey. Thanks so much, Ian. Both thanks to both of you guys. I know Casey, uh, Casey and Ian, obviously your time, your time is so much appreciated. Um, all you do for the sport is appreciated by so many. But then on a personal level, you know what you guys both do so much for digging deep. You do so much for me on a personal level. Casey's got my shocks right now. Ian, I got a big box of stuff from for for the 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 stretch run of the season here. I, I received today. So just want to thank you guys both so much for for being a part of this. I can't thank you enough. And, uh, obviously, like I said, for, for everything you do for the sport, for everything you do for me, I just can't thank both of you enough.
2: Thanks, Cody. Appreciate it. Uh, the opportunity to give my two cents as well. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. We have to thank Rocky Mountain ATVMC. Click that banner on our website to help us out. Thanks to you, Ian, and SSI Decals for all you guys do for us. Impact Solutions, like I said, we can't thank all of you guys enough. And Casey and Ian, thanks again so much for for sharing all the stuff that you guys saw at Unadilla with us. This was a blast. Looking forward to doing it again. And uh, yeah, looking uh, just just wish we could fast forward um, to Redbud right now. So looking forward to breaking that all down in the future. But guys, thanks so much. And uh, Uh, We'll talk soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Man, I don't know about you guys, but I just want to head to Redbud now and camp out at the gate until Thursday when they open them up. Anybody with me? Major thanks to tonight's guests, Danica Wienan, Michael Allred, Casey Greek ian harris and josh klein thanks to producer dallas jansen my brother thanks to Brooke and ama official harv whipple thanks to the stanfield family thanks to our sponsors cst tires shop.csttires.com yamaha thanks to blue crew valvoline ssi decals did racing chain namira technologies bronco atv and utv components impact solutions Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Foreworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads LLC, and Manscaped to get 20% off and free shipping with code diggingdeep20 at manscaped.com. Support these great companies that support our show and don't forget to use those codes to save. You can find it all on our website and be sure to click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner for all your gear and parts needs and to help us out. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. Our show merchandise, including Digging Deep shirts and hoodies, our quad guys get hot chicks shirts and hoodies, back-to-back national champ merch and more are all available at shop.diggingdeepatvmx.com. If you're looking for another easy way to help support us, visit our website and click the buy me a coffee button. This allows you to set up a one-time or monthly contribution to support our efforts. You can call our voicemail line anytime, 920-569-3519, and follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional content, Digging Deep ATVMX Fantasy info, and more as we get into the home stretch of the season here. Reminder that lineups do not roll over in Digging Deep ATVMX Fantasy, so head over to atvfantasy.com right now to select your team and lock it in up to one hour before four moto one at redbud so that's twelve thirty local time thanks so much to everyone who's playing this has been so much fun and congrats to our lone winner from unadilla chris hunt who rode michael allred all the way to victory there congrats so as for the podcast you can find us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, amazon podcast spotify stitcher and more wherever you find podcasts you'll find the digging deep atvmx podcast All episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links and discount codes, our new show merchandise, fantasy info, and more can all be found on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com, so check that out today. Be a friend, tell a friend. Please download, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And with that, for Danica Wienan, Michael Allred, Casey Greek, Ian Harris, Josh Klein, Brooke Catherine, Dallas Jansen, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen. Thanks for listening to the number one podcast in ATV racing, 2 million downloads and counting. Until next time, thanks for joining us in Digging Deep with the Stars of ATV Motocross. Now let's go racing at Redbud. Things are crashing and burning here at the Digging Deep podcast, much like the Titanic. Those guys were hauling ass for
6: real. I remember watching Doug Gus, I don't know who it was, Steel City running the same times Friday afternoon as James Stewart was on Sunday back then. It was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast. Quadlers are freaking nice.